Deutsch. Welcome to the Arms Race, the podcast where we're trying to determine which action star has the highest body count in movie history, currently by watching each and every Sylvester Stallone movie. I'm Mike Olson. And I'm Kevin Keane, and today we're discussing Zookeeper. Not the Zookeeper, Zookeeper. Released by Columbia Pictures on July 8th, 2011, starring Kevin James, Rosario Dawson, Leslie Bibb, Ken Jeong, Donnie Wahlberg, and Joe Rogan as himself. Featuring the voices of Nick Nolte, Adam Sandler, <laughs> Sylvester Stallone, Cher, Judd Apatow, John Favreau, Faison Love, and Maya Rudolph. Screenplay by Nick Beckay and Rock Rubin and Kevin James and Jay Sherrick and David Ron. Directed by Frank Karachi. I don't know if you know this about me, Joe Rogan. I smoke rocks. <laughs> I would like I forgot say- he was on Chappelle's show. Yes, I would like to say this. It is not... The zookeeper. It's not the zookeeper's wife. It's not we bought a zoo. It is just zookeeper. I would have never. I mean, the last fifteen years, they've really uh, run the gamut on zoo movies. I guess uh, it's sort of like one of those things. I don't know if it's uh, if you kind of realize it, but it's maybe ten years ago, and maybe it's fading a little bit. But um, former uh, professions, a Cooper, Hunter, things like that, you sure. know, were were popular names that's what this kind of reminded me of when i because i thought it was the zookeeper too until i actually got the dvd yeah. like oh no this is zookeeper this must be like the equivalent like you name your kid zookeeper like shoemaker there you go yeah. Co- cobbler right so he is he is i forget i already forgot his character's his, name his name but, is barrett so barrett really yeah are you sure it doesn't sound right to me but I'll, I'll take your word for it i think it is barrett zookeeper well, no, his last name isn't Zookeeper. That's what I'm saying. We're, we're saying that his name should be Barrett oh, yeah, Zookeeper. Absolutely. Until he changes professions and becomes Barrett Auto Dealer. I was sales, say, car salesman. Salesman. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I will uh I'll open this one off. This was my pick. I have to admit, this is gonna fall into the dare I say it, the pleasantly surprised. I, I'm so glad you're saying this because <laughs> I completely agree. <laughs> I was, you know, because I, we've been disagreeing. Let, let, let's just say this. Hold on. This hasn't happened in the entire no, Stallone run, I don't think. I don't think it has. I'm just going to say this. It's because the bar was really low for me. <laughs> sure. I mean, really low. Yes. Well, and, and look, there's, there's a lot of bad stuff in this movie. <laughs> yes. I'm sure as we talk through it, it's going to sound like we hate this movie because we're just going to go through thing after thing of uh, just <laughs> terrible comedy and awful things. But it's a, it's a relatively pleasant movie. Yeah. You know, it's it's... Got its charms, and Kevin James is surprisingly likable. Yeah. In the same way, you gave me a hard time for this, but I actually saw some similarities between this and uh, uh, Jingle All the Way 2, where I was saying, wow, Larry the Cable Guy is surprisingly likable. I actually liked him in that movie, and Kevin James kind of fits, in my mind, Kevin James and Larry the Cable Guy fit in the same category. There's a lot of overlap in that Venn diagram. Yeah, where it's like, from afar, it's easy to be dismissive, but then you watch them, it's like, you know what, they're actually all right. Like, I mean, I, I... Larry the Cable Guy less so. Kevin James seems relatively, you know... Mild? Yeah, he's there's there's no reason to get angry or dislike him. It's like, is he talented? No, but he's also... <laughs> That's hard. No, I'm just being real. I mean, it, he shouldn't be the lead in any movies, but he's still very likable. I mean, I guess that's why he's the lead in movies, is he's likable and he's relatively inoffensive. He's not yeah. going to, like, 
He's not going to cause any waves. I was say, he's not going to go do anything that you're worried. Oh my god, this box office is going to tank because of something he said. He's something he tweeted. Yeah, something along those lines. He's just a guy. Yeah. He's like he's an everyman, I suppose. Yeah. Well, I mean, isn't that? I mean, I don't. I maybe saw thirty minutes if you splice it all together of the you know the King of Queens that made him super famous, and he, that's what I kind of remember him playing. Right? Is an everyman. Yeah, and I've seen even less of yeah. King of Queens than that. Um, I doubt I've even seen five minutes of King of Queens. Yeah. Um, so kind of with that, I mean, I was pleasantly surprised. That then said, I feel like this was just false advertising. This is not This is not a kid's movie. You know, I mean, we have it in the animated category. Well, it's voiceovers. This category oh, is, voice- is it voiceovers? I'm this, sorry. Is, this is live action. I mean, that, a couple of them are live action. That, that's right. Okay. I'm, I'm thinking Ants that it was animated. Okay. It's I think, voiceover. I think most of the voiceover movies in that category are actually live action. Because there's this, I have to check to see what else is on Well, there. there's the movie that still hasn't come out yet, Ants. Yeah, those two are animated. Yeah. And, and, I don't this, and then it's something we already, we've seen. What's the fourth one? Because we haven't watched Ants yet. We haven't watched the movie that hasn't come out yet, obviously. <laughs> this is the second one in this category we've seen. So what's the other one? I honestly don't remember. I'm not right here. I don't think it. Was, I don't think it was an animated movie. I think it was like this. It was a live action thing where he did a voice. Well, yeah, but oh no, 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 I'm sorry. No, how could I forget? It was Ratchet and Clank. Uh, so that was animated. I, I stand corrected. Yeah, I had forgotten about it. And maybe it's because I've just tried to put it out because that was such a bad episode and yeah. bad movie. But just back to the false advertising, there is no need for animals to be talking in this movie. I mean, it's a romantic comedy. It's effectively another Adam Sandler, 51st date, you know, pick, pick whatever from those. That's really what it is. There's nothing wrong with it. But going into this, you know, because you kind of said, or maybe it wasn't you, it was my wife. She, you know, she, she knew that I was doing this one when the DVD came. She's like, what is that for? I Stallone in this? I said, yes. She's <laughs> like, oh, well, maybe the kids can watch it with you. So oh, maybe... You no, never what, know. You you, know, you have watch it first to be right. sure. Right, you don't know for 100%. I saw, I'm like, the, the, the opening scene on the beach, I'm like, no, this is not in any way, shape, or form for my kids. I felt totally lied to watching this movie. I don't think there's anything inappropriate, if that's what you're saying. It's just not something that would appeal to kids, particularly. Okay, well, no, but the, it's about relationships. Right, it's about relationships. I, I guess I can correct that. I didn't mean that there was inappropriate okay, stuff, necessarily. that's what I thought you meant, yeah. But no, but the themes and kind of the, the, the whole plot of the movie... Is about dating and relationships, and you know my kids are eleven and nine. Actually, happy birthday to my daughter Josephine. She turned eleven today. Oh, I'll happy get that birthday! Out yeah, this will obviously air well after that. But neither one of them. Maybe Josephine's getting a little closer, but certainly the, the zookeeper is not what she is going to be interested in watching about learning about relationships. I could see kids enjoying it. I mean, there's enough kind of slapstick humor and like physical comedy. There's some, but there's not as much because I got really nervous the first few minutes of this movie. I got nervous. Yeah. Because there was way more of the slapstick. There's a little bit sprinkled throughout, but not a ton. There's, I think, way more in the first 15 minutes than there was in most of the rest of the movie. But I also think the stuff with the animals, I could see that appealing to kids where, you know... Yeah, it, I, the talking animals, you're right. I mean, the, some of the voices and whatever. Some of the stuff they say I think would be funny to kids, but most of it would be right over their heads. Some of those... I thought the animals were actually pretty funny. Like, generally oh, yeah. speaking, I enjoyed... With one or two exceptions. Ooh, we're going to have to do... Well, I, I can guess what one of the exceptions is. <laughs> he may or may not have been a producer on this movie and <laughs> b- could not be fired as a result. Does he have thumbs? Yes, he has thumbs. <laughs> okay. Boy, oh boy, we'll get to it. Most of the voice actors and the voice acting, including Stallone, I thought was very good. I, I thought Stallone actually gave a pretty good performance considering what he's doing, which is, you know, it's a supporting role, obviously. Yeah. You're right. It, the animals are almost 
in the background, you could make this movie without the talking animals. To the point, well, I'll get to it now, to the point, and this is just me, I couldn't resist a dumb pun. (laughs) You know what the zoo is? It's the zoos of this movie. (laughs) I have spoken. I feel ashamed that I didn't think of that myself. I only thought of it as you were like 10 minutes ago. I was like, I, was, I opened up the soundboard. I was like, oh, Zeus. So wait a minute. <laughs> You're right. They don't need to be in this movie. I mean, the uh, well, before I forget, first of all, because uh, the Zeus of the movie, spoke. <laughs> I was reminded recently because uh, one of our listeners, Dominic Stark, who he is sort of responsible for the Zeus of the movie because yeah. he's the one who kind of tweeted at us in the first place. Um, so while I'm thinking of Zeus of the movie, I want to. I've been meaning to mention that you know he's he's made a movie, which is pretty awesome. I don't think we've ever actually talked about it on the podcast. No, so. I, I don't. I don't think that we. have. Yeah. So just uh, before I forget, I just want to. It's called the Hitman Agency. It's available on like Amazon Prime and YouTube and stuff. I, I've been meaning to mention it forever. Well, now's so the perfect time since since we were doing the Zeus of the movie. I, it, it reminded me. You have spoken. I, yes, I have spoken. I have spoken. <laughs> It's just cool that we have a listener who made a movie. But anyway, I just didn't want to forget. But yeah. what, what were we talking about? Uh, oh, just, the, zoo, the, the, the zoo animals being totally irrelevant. They're the- irrelevant, but you're right. Uh, some of the best stuff, some of the best performances and best stuff do come from the animals. So I'm glad yeah. that they're in there. They just, as I was watching, I was like, what is this movie? This is not, it was not what I thought it was going to be at all. I mean, the movie doesn't really take advantage of its, its concept enough because you could see how it would be funny for animals to be giving advice to a human and that advice is totally not applicable to human life you know it's all it's all the sort of things that animals do yeah and, and the uh, bears in particular actually the bears i'll just say it now the bears stole the show for me i agree the bears are both very funny john Fazero <laughs> Favre and uh, phase on love yes, yeah they're, they're, they're both great but you know that idea of of like the humor of a human being taking advice from animals about mating. It's so preposterous on its face that you'd think that would be, like, the focus of it. But, I mean, and there are scenes where he's, like, yeah, peeing in a restaurant and, like, stuff like that. That <laughs> yes. uh, sort of falls by the wayside. And in the end, they're just kind of, like, giving him human advice. Like, that kind of falls away about halfway through. And then yeah. Stallone as the lion is just like, you should be mean to her and then be nice and then she'll, you know, be needy. And, like, his advice... Totally stops being about like yeah. lion mating rituals, and it becomes about like oh, it becomes just, a, <laughs> uh, the complete trope of yeah, be yeah. the bad boy or whatever, it's, and push him away, and yeah, which totally works. Which you could, which is I mean, a joke too. But yeah, whatever. I mean the message of this movie. I'm not it's sure. Not good. Uh, that's another reason my kids actually shouldn't have watched. This that's movie. true. Yeah, that's not a very good message to send. But um, but you know you know what I mean. Like at some point the conceit falls away, and they're just he could easily not be a lion. Sylvester Stallone just could be playing a human being and be giving this exact same advice, and the whole joke could just be that it's bad advice. I mean, effectively... The the fact they're animals is totally irrelevant by the end of the movie. And Stallone's advice would fit perfectly, actually, within Barrett's brother's auto dealership. Yeah. I mean, he he could have just been one of the other auto dealers, basically, by the last 20 minutes of the movie. Right. It could have been like, I'm done listening to the animals, let me listen to my brother. And his brother could have said that exact same thing, and it's like, the the conceit of animals giving advice based on their animal experience... Is gone. Is gone, and that's that's what was funny to me at first. I mean, I think the movie does go on too long. That's that's my biggest gripe. It's only 100 minutes, but still, that's like 20 minutes too long. Agreed. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed it more than I was expecting. So well, we we were we were wondering if we were ever going to get one of these, and now we did. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm. This is the first time this has happened for a Stallone movie. We both came in pleasantly surprised. I think yeah. sometimes it's one or the other, but uh, yeah, for the first time, 
I mean, it is what it is, but uh, we'll we'll get into it. uh, Let's get to it. But let's start with this. What day is it? What year? All right. July 8th, 2011. Not that long ago. Um, But some of the things in history, it seems like I had already forgotten. So even though it wasn't that long ago, I learned a little bit. All things being relative, 2011 seems like 10 lifetimes ago. (laughs) It really does. All right. So this had, uh, I shouldn't be surprised, but I was surprised when I looked it up, an $80 million budget. Oh, don't be surprised by that at all. Well, I mean, I understand with all of the you know, the uh, motion capture and stuff that had to be done with the animals. I do understand that. But but, but put it in context where the average Happy Madison production, the, av- the average right. uh, Adam Sandler produced movie costs $50 million. In, a mo- in movies that are just shot without any effects or any like special locations. Maybe, we should, maybe he should be looked into for money laundering. How do most of his movies cost that much? We will talk about that later. <laughs> okay. So an $80 million budget, it brought in just under, and it was more successful than I thought, too. You know, Want to wager a guess of what the uh, total box office well, well, you're saying it's successful, so it must have made money, so it's got to be over 80. I'm going to guess total, worldwide? Yeah, worldwide box office. I'm going to say 165. Man, just under 170 million bucks. All right. Spot on. <laughs> yeah, nailed it. So just over 80 million domestic and just under 90 million, you know, in rough numbers, uh, foreign. So definitely more successful than, than I thought it was. Yeah. Without a doubt. All right, so the top 10 for its opening weekend, which was, uh, as I said, July 8th. It was not the number one movie. Uh, number one was in its second week. It was a Transformers movie. You're more of a fan than me. Can you guess? 2011. It's got to be the third one, Dark of the Moon. You are spot on. You know Jason. You know Friday. <laughs> the, uh, you know uh, the Halloween movies. And you know Transformers. Absolutely. Dark of the Moon. I mean, there's only been five Transformers movies. So, so it's oh, not six. I'm sorry. Bumblebee. <laughs> I forgot about Bumblebee. I enjoyed Bumblebee. I didn't enjoy it, but it's still probably the best of those yes. Transformers movies. Uh, so, so the, the Dark of the Moon is actually kind of okay. Okay, I'd say that's the best of the Michael Bay movies because it's so bonkers. Leonard Nimoy is in there, you know, hamming it up. Gotcha. It's all right. It would brought in that weekend over forty seven million dollars, bringing its total gross to two hundred and sixty one million dollars. <laughs> also, that's the one that's partially set in Chicago. Because whenever oh, I, okay. I, it's not the Michigan Avenue Bridge, it's another bridge. I forget, but I recognize it whenever I'm in the city. It's like, oh, this is the bridge where Optimus Prime brutally murdered Megatron. <laughs> Here it is. <laughs> is Mark Wahlberg in that one? No, that was he started with the next one. Okay, for some reason, I Age thought of he Extinction, was in the Chicago. Okay, uh, number two was actually another comedy, uh, Horrible Bosses with uh, Jason Bateman, Charlie Day. I'm missing somebody in that one. Charlie's Theron in that. Uh, no, it's Jennifer Aniston, oh, Jennifer Kevin Aniston. Spacey, they're the bosses. Kevin Spacey and Colin Farrell are the, um, the horrible bosses. Horrible bosses, yes. Uh, so number three was Zookeeper. So uh, Horrible Bosses was just over $28 million, and clocking in at just over $20 million was Zookeeper. Uh, rounding out the top ten, Cars 2. I still uh, was- have not seen Cars 2. Neither have I. My son really enjoyed cars. I was not a big fan, so when he wasn't interested, that was easy for me to <laughs> sure. say no to. I, my nephew was also way into cars when he was a kid. I did not like cars at all. No. It seemed like more for kids than any of the other Pixar, Pixar movies. Pixar movies, without a doubt. Yeah. Uh, number five, uh, Bad Teacher. Uh, number six, Larry Crown. Number seven, uh, Super 8, which I actually did see. I barely remember that, however. Yeah, I've seen it and also barely remember anything about it. Yeah. So it's, it's just monsters, right? Something. Yeah, kind of. It, it feels like, actually, it set the stage for Stranger Things. That's what I kind of like vaguely. Yeah. That it kind of brought back that vibe and feel that 
kind of push Stranger Things to be able to be. And that's probably not true, but that's the vibe that I remember of Super 8. No, that seems fairly accurate. I don't think it was set in the 80s, though, was it? No, I don't think so. I think they find... It just had the vibe of an 80s Spielberg movie. Yeah, and I think they find, like, a Super 8 camera or whatever, and I don't remember. I, that's the problem, is it might even be set in the 80s. <laughs> it I might don't be. Yeah, I don't remember either. Uh, number eight, Monte Carlo. Don't know it. Number nine, Mr. Popper's Penguins. Okay. Uh, and number 10, Green Lantern. I actually kind of remember that. Oh, sure. I saw Green Lantern. It's terrible. <laughs> it is terrible. I will say, though, speaking of trendsetters, that's a movie that set the trends for superhero movies because now every superhero costume is CGI. And that movie oh. caught so much shit for its CGI costume. And now every superhero movie is that. Every single one. I didn't realize that. Yeah, Iron Man's entirely a CGI thing. Like Even like Superman movies, they just paste, you know... Uh, You're right. Henry Cavill's head on a CGI Superman. Well, sometimes they need to get rid of the mustache. Well, too. sure. <laughs> sometimes it's a partially CGI face. You're correct. <laughs> boy, oh boy. All right. So in the uh, the Nielsen ratings, uh, NBC Sunday Night Football. No surprise, we're in the 2011s. You know, network TV doesn't r- really matter anymore. So what have we got? So we've got football. Then we've got American Idol, which I didn't realize was still around in 2011. Oh, it's still around now. I think. I, but I think it came back because I think it was. It, Disappeared oh. for a little while, and I think it's back. Okay, not on Fox either. I think it's on NBC actually now. This was still one was on Fox. All right, uh, The Voice. We then actually get a scripted program. Uh, Modern Family is number four. Number five is another American Idol. Apparently, there was American Idol Wednesday and Thursday. I just realized that yeah. looking at this. Yeah. Number six, The Big Bang Theory. Number seven, CBS is starting to rack it up. Two and a Half Men. Uh, number eight. X Factor. I don't remember. I mean, that was clearly a reality show. I don't remember that. It's another singing like talent show it, thing. All right. It might not just be the singing. Could just like do whatever you want. Okay. Like Amer- America's Got Talent. Yeah, that talent side show. of the thing. Got it. I'm not sure. Number nine. Uh, another CBS. Two Broke Girls. And number ten. Grey's Anatomy, which is still on. I can't believe how long that show has been on. That's one of those shows where they just recycle the cast over a couple of years, right? Yeah, it's just like so. ah, this person's asked for too much money. Yeah, okay, we'll just get go get somebody else. Yeah. All right, so on the history front, the S&P 500 is at 1,353. Uh, I, <laughs> I wish people could see the expression you give me every time you do this. I love it. <laughs> it is like, I'm going to tell you an important thing. <laughs> I can't describe the face, but it's, you do it every time. <laughs> Maybe we need to start YouTubing everything. Oh. <laughs> no, I don't want that at all. That would not be a good thing. Uh, on July 1st, the, uh, the NBA begins a lockout of its players uh, and shortens the season by 16 games. Also on July 1st, the majority of children under a year old are minorities in the United States, which is a first according to the U.S. Census Bureau. Wait, what? Say that again? So for the first time in U.S. history, uh, again, it's an estimate, too. Oh, I see. You know, ethnic minorities. I thought you you meant that under one year old prior to that was the majority of the country was under a year old. Oh, no. The way you phrased that, it was like, wait a minute, the majority of the country was under a year old prior to that? Okay, The majority of one-year-olds are of minority descent. Got it. How about that? Okay, yes. Skipping forward to July 8th, Space Shuttle Atlantis of the U.S. Space Shuttle Program is launched for its final time. Yeah, the space shuttles are done. That was it. Also on July 8th, I did remember this one. News of the World, a British tabloid, runs its final edition in the wake of the phone hacking scandal. That was the Prime Minister of Germany. It was amazing yeah, yeah. what I they remember. were getting. Yeah. On July 12th, Operation Fast and Furious uh, is uncovered. And do you remember Operation Fast and Furious? No, what is this? That was when the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms were allowing guns to make their way south of the border and come back because they were trying to trace to the drug cartels. And then these weapons were starting to be used, 
in homicides and discovered basically that the federal government knew that it had these you know, guns that were they were basically trying to use it to try and track park to the cartels and did not go. Well. I did not know this. It, did they call it? Operation Fast and Furious because the, the most recent Fast and Furious movie that had come out involved drug tunnels between know. Mexico and the U.S. It's 2011. Is that would that that was been? the year that Fast Five came out? But the pro, the one prior to that, so that would have been too new, I imagine. But the fourth Fast and Furious movie, just called Fast and Furious, is, is when the theme? Dominic and uh, Paul Walker are, are they're driving. They get they were working for a drug cartel and they're. Ferrying drugs in their sport in their cars through tunnels in tunnels. Yeah, so the, Mexico the, the and the tunnels. US. The tunnel. I have not seen Fast and Furious. Yeah, four. you started at five. I, I kept I t- kept telling you how much I love the Fast and Furious movies. And I told you you can just start at five. So but, you didn't, yeah, the fourth one is this one, which is not as good. So what you're telling me is a drug tunnel that has been dug that is deep enough to drive cars through. Yes, and they needed to drive fast cars because they had a very narrow window where the security cameras on each side of the border, or like on the U.S. side of the border or whatever, were, would be off, so they had to get through them fast enough, and so they needed the best drivers in the world, and they have like a tryouts and stuff. It's crazy. <laughs> it's not a good movie. It's too self-serious. Fast Five is when those movies get fun and goofy and, and ridiculous. Okay. Fast and Furious. It. It is, is not great. Would but. not surprise me the, in the least if the ATF named <laughs> that operation after that movie. Well, before you move on, I have another operation that involves alcohol, not uh, firearms, but okay. similar. Uh, it revolves around TGI Fridays. I was doing some research about TGI Fridays, and I found out <laughs> Operation Swill, I think it was called, where they discovered oh, they discovered that TGI Fridays was replacing the high-quality alcohol in the, the bottles with, like, cheaper, and they were charging full price. I did not know and this. It was, like, systemic. It was in New Jersey. It was, like, yeah. a systemic thing where, like, 23 different locations were charged with uh, Operation Swill. Operation Swill. So since you're talking about ATF and alcohol, I figured that is I may as well drop that knowledge now. You should. On July 19th, I thought this was important, uh, particularly the weekend that we're recording. A movie opened. Captain America, the first Avenger, premiered. Not necessarily here so that it was... Or no, it was July 19th, and this was July 4th. So July 19th, Captain America, the first Avenger, gotcha. premiered. It seems like that was a lot longer ago, doesn't it, than 2011? I that mean, those movies started? Iron Man was 2008. That seems about right. I guess. It was the third or the fourth? Might have been the fourth. I think it was Iron Man and then The Incredible Hulk, then Iron Man 2, and then that. No. I think so. Iron Man 2, you think, was before Captain America? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that doesn't feel right. I'm not, I'm not sure, so I can't. I think so. But uh, right. I mean, it, it's, they, were, they were close together. That makes sense. It started in 2008, and this is 2011, and it was their fourth movie. They were still ramping up. That was before they were doing like two to three movies a year. Well, that, I guess that's the reason why when I saw this, because they're doing two or three years, I'm like, Captain America, that, that feels like 15 years ago in terms of like how many movies have come out yeah, in that period Yeah, they've been really cranking them out. This is the weekend when Endgame comes out just for, we're recording yes. this on the, that weekend. I have not People are not going to know what you meant. I guess I could have inferred, whatever. On July, I would have assumed it's the biggest event in the history of the world. I read an article coming over here that 90% of the movie tickets sold in the United States this weekend were for that movie. I believe it. I was going to just catch it. <laughs> I mean, I understand it's a big thing. 90%? Every other movie got out of its way, of course. Like, there's nothing else in the theaters right now. I was going to go see it yesterday morning. I was just going to go see it by myself. And the 9.30 a.m. show was sold out, like, the night before. I'm going, like, okay, I guess I'm not going to be seeing this this weekend. Yeah, that's why I believe it. 
Uh, maybe there's something wrong with me, but I could take it or leave it. It's like I'll get around to it. You've been watching. How, you've seen basically all of them. We covered that when we talked about yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy too. We've I seen every movie. But I I want to see how it ends, quote unquote. I I mean I do too, but I don't. I guess to the people that feel like they need to absolutely see it right away for whatever reason, I don't feel like that about that. Movie. I mean I know what you mean, but also I don't want to be spoiled, and I'm invested enough. No, if I, I feel like even by waiting until next weekend, I'm risking getting the whole thing spoiled. It's probably it probably will happen. I will inadvertently when I go into work tomorrow, somebody will probably tell me all about it. Finishing out the New York Times bestseller is The Help by Catherine Stockett. I know that only because I know that there was a movie made. <laughs> no, we're so uh, uncultured. We only know about a book if it was made into a movie. Pretty much. That's been a trend in this segment. It has been. This book was never made into a movie, so we've never heard of it. So, well, the, uh, Watership Down, I don't think either one of us had seen the I've, I'd seen. Oh, you've movie. seen the movie? Yeah. All right. Well, I, mean, I, I had, but I, I at least had heard of it, so I felt like that yeah, was. Yeah, but something. it was made into a movie. Touche. That's probably why I heard of it. <laughs> yeah, I'm so. I. I there are very few books that have come up in the segment. In our in our defense, we both read. We we are not, we are not that uncultured. Sure. Yeah, and most of the time, we're talking about books that came out in the seventies and eighties. So uh, we're not going to know. I read books, Jerry. <laughs> Neither one of us really read comics either. And finishing out history, uh, the top one hundred Billboard song is "Rolling in the Deep" by Adele. I was hoping it was that Flow Rider song that's featured in this movie. That would be low by flow rider, yes, and we will we will speak on that previously. Yeah, sure. Yes, another another reason why this movie is not for children. The oh. lyrics in that song are not appropriate at all. Yeah, I have to refresh my memory. There's no cursing though. This is a PG movie. There's no cursing, but <laughs> sure. none of that. It is 100 percent about a stripper and a strip club. Sure. So there's nothing appropriate about that song. Yeah, but kids don't know what that is. Kids wouldn't know what the song's about. You'd be surprised what kids know. All right, fair enough. All right, let's move on. All right, it's time for the big picture. You want to talk? We'll talk. I'm a sucker for good conversation. So the big picture, where we discuss the plot of the movie. Yep. Uh, which is pretty straightforward. I was going to say, this is about as straightforward as we'll get. So I mean, the movie starts with a flashback. On the, where Kevin James's character, you already said his name, and I already forgot. Barrett. I don't Barrett. remember his last name, though. I'd have to look I'd it up. I probably have it written down somewhere. No, I have, I have Griffin written down. Is it oh. Griffin Barrett? Is that his last name? I have Griffin written down as his first no, name. No, Griffin is probably right. I'm going to sound foolish I thought here. that sounded wrong. I don't know why I Barrett in my head. You're it's right. probably Griffin, Griffin Barrett. I only no, wrote down Griffin. Griffin. All right, here we go. Um, and Stephanie is his uh, not-fiancé, his girlfriend, and then not-girlfriend. Because he try he proposes to her in an elaborate way, and she says no, and hence the comedy of no that in scene, a I really mean way too. Yeah, I mean, I we can talk about it now or talk about it later, but th- I don't know why we're supposed to care about this relationship. As an audience member, I'm just like I, these two are terrible together. She seems like an awful person. <laughs> right. She seems totally. She's the most indecisive person I've ever seen in a movie. She she doesn't know what she wants. She is cruel, unnecessarily cruel. She doesn't seem to care about the people around her. She only cares about herself. And I'm oblivious to like the the chaos that she's causing with this guy, with Griffin. Griffith. Griffin. Griffin. No, it's Griffin. Yeah, you're right. It's Griffin. You've confused me so much. Sorry. <laughs> I'm bad with names. This is just this is this is the the running theme of this podcast. Well, at least you had it written down correctly. I didn't have it right in my in my memory. So yeah, I mean she she says no and Breaks up with him on that beach. And I, we skip then five years later. Yeah. How how old is he supposed to be in that scene, do you think? I don't know. Because they've got him in like a weird spiky like hairdo or wig or something. It, 
I think they're trying to like play off that he's like in his late twenties, and then somehow he's in his thirties. <laughs> like, I, I, I think I can't you're tell. right, but because it's only five years, why does why are they putting him in this weird wig or whatever? I'm not sure, and I'm also not sure why the five years is really that relevant. Sure. Other than maybe that he for, kind of forgot about her, and that's the reason why then he would have been had such a hard time at the kind of engagement party for his brother. But clearly he didn't forget about her because the animals, once they reveal that they can speak, say, like, why you, you right. won't stop talking about her even right. five years later. I don't, I don't know why they had to skip that, that quote-unquote, that far ahead. I'm not sure why it's relevant, why, why it couldn't just be a year. And it just, you know, he proposed when they were later in their life, you know, mid-30s or whatever, yeah, or late 30s. Who that's, cares? That's true. Yeah, it's it's kind of just an arbitrary amount of time, and it has to ha- excuse me, it has to be enough of an amount of time for him to become head zookeeper. Is that it? Well, there's that, and then also she has to change her mind and like become interested again for yeah. unexplained reasons. I guess that's probably more of what it is. You're right. Is it because that's that's the thing that's so unmotivated? Yeah, we skip ahead five years. He's the head zookeeper and likes his job. He likes his Everybody job. Likes him. The animals like him. I mean, this is before they can talk, but it's it's clear that the animals like him. And he's very good with the animals. And then his brother is getting married, and so they yes. have the... It's like an engagement party at, at, the, at the zoo. At the zoo. After hours. And he's giving a speech, and this ex-girlfriend is suddenly there. And the way it's presented, I thought it was some kind of like weird like dream sequence or hallucination. Like It's presented oh, really? as if... I didn't, I didn't get that vibe. It, it cuts to her, and there's like a weird like glow on her, and she's like, hi, like acting... This is presumably the first time she's seen him in five years, and she's just like, "Hi." She like that's not the way human beings like. Yeah, she I would can be like, she would now. probably like shrug and be like, "Hey, like, you know, yeah, I, be yeah, awkward." Oh, yeah, this yeah is exactly. Awkward. Acknowledge the awkwardness, or just like, "Yes, I'm here." But no, she goes like, "Hi." What is this? I mean, it's it's just one of these things where you know, this is one of those movies where people don't act like human beings. The animals act more like human beings. I mean, kind of. That's kind of why I thought it was a hallucination, because it's just like, no, she would never be behaving like this. But then turns out she's actually there. Um, and he comically screws up the speech he was going to give about the porcupine, because he's so flustered. Yeah. And then what? Then it's like, he wants to get back with her, and she reveals that she's interested again in like an offhanded conversation that the giraffe overhears. Yes, and I'm... Ugh, the giraffe is is one of the weak parts of this movie. Yeah, but. That, that's the other because I mean, should we run through all the animals and talk about? Because that's kind of what happens is the giraffe overhears that that she gr- might be interested. Yeah, Griffin's ex girlfriend might be interested in getting back with him, and some for some reason the animals take an interest in this. Well, the animals take an interest because at some point I don't remember it has to be before this they get the vibe that he he might want to leave the zoo and he he may had to New Hampshire wherever it was the zoo that he was talking about with rosario dawson's character that was interested in him I but think, is that real or is he just like because that struck me as him trying to like i don't think face or whatever i don't think it's real but despite the fact the animals being pretty human don't determine that he's just doing his best to try and impress rosario dawson's okay, character but did the animals overhear that i guess there was the hawk in a cage there but the hawk never speaks we can presume that the hawk can speak, because all I, animals can speak, but well, does I, the hawk blab to the other animals, and that's how they knew that he might... That, they th- that must be how it is, because I don't remember how they find out, but that, that's their motivation. They want to keep him there. Right, but <laughs> this, this is the part of the movie that makes no sense, and yes, it's animals, and they're j- maybe they're just dumb animals. Who knows? Maybe that's the explanation, but like, 
They want to get him and Stephanie back together because they think that'll keep him at the zoo. But actually, the truth is the total opposite. Is the she wants him to take the job at, the, at his brother's but, auto dealership. But here's the thing. I don't think they are dumb animals. They don't know Stephanie. And they don't know that she just wants to change him and make him into somebody who's about money and style and status. Well, that's so, true. They don't know so her. They think they, because they don't know her, they think, well, we need to make him find his soulmate or whatever so he's happy with his life and he continues to stay here they don't know that she's a all right i guess person I'll, who just wants to change him and mold him into what she wants him to they be. they don't know anything about her in either direction so it seems like a leap to make well, any kind of presumption about I her but i i mean i'll buy what you just said that like they're animals and they you know oh you know he needs to find his mate yeah and, he needs to pair off exactly and maybe they think that'll help him <laughs> I mean, they, I guess it's just because they like him and they want him to be happy. Like, that's all they needed to say. Yeah, maybe that. And But yeah, the, to make it about them trying to keep him at the zoo, it didn't make a lot of sense to me. No. But the Well, he also is in shock. It is kind of weird how just all of a sudden the animals start talking and it's, it's the lion, Stallone, who tells them all that they cannot say anything. They try and set up this elaborate scenario where the lion is going to be out and put Stephanie and his to-be sister-in-law in jeopardy. Right. Well, not real jeopardy, because they're not actually uh, going to attack. Right, but appear so he can be with the hero. hero. Right. And it doesn't go well, and (laughs) Stallone has no patience for Griffin at all. I liked that. I thought that was really funny, that he's the one who's insisted, like, we don't break the code, nobody ever talks to humans, and then they try to make him a hero, and uh, Griffin falls into a moat, one of those zoo moats, and Stallone the line's like, what is wrong with you? He's, like, so frustrated that he accidentally breaks the code, and Kevin James is like, what? He's like, oh, uh, I mean, roar, you know, like... (laughs) That's funny. I enjoyed it. I did think that the kind of the leap, or they don't spend enough time. He seems to accept. I know there's a there's a scene or two, but then it's just like, no, I'm just going to have normal conversations. There is nothing. There doesn't ever seem to be any repercussions of him being able to talk to the animals. He can do it out in the open when it, apparently the zoo is open for business. A whole bunch of things that didn't make sense. To yeah, me. Kevin James is accepting this too quickly. Is what yeah. you're saying? I mean, that scene where he freak is a still sequence where he just freaks out in a very bizarre way, where he just like runs home and is just exercising like a crazy person. And then there's like clips of Sabrina the Teenage Witch, which freaks him out because there's a talking cat in that show. And then back to exercising. <laughs> Um, I missed that that's what that show was. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah good I, catch. I, I saw that a couple of... I saw more of Sabrina the Teenage Witch than I saw of King of Queens. So. Touche. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was... It, it's just a weird sequence. Like, I think they just tried to condense his freak out into, like, an intense 45 seconds yeah. of Kevin James freaking out, and then it's like, no, he's he's more or less accepted it. And you're probably right, because the movie is too long, so probably spending more time on that would have just been a mistake anyway. I, I just... It seemed a little bit of a stretch, but then again, there's talking animals, so I, who cares? I mean, there's a couple of different stages, because he runs home after Stallone talks to him, right? And then he comes back, and he's, like, trying to get them to talk again. Like, are you going to say something? Like, I forget who... He, he goes back to the lion at first, and yep. then somebody else, uh, you know, I think maybe the, the giraffe. And then what? He, he, like, knocks himself out, right? How does he knock himself out? Because then when he wakes up, all the animals are, like, surrounding him and talking to him. I don't I, remember this. Yeah, I don't remember how he knocks himself out. Because it's not down with the gorilla played or voiced i guess by nick nolte which oh, becomes yeah. his best friend i forgot to put nick nolte in the credits at the beginning oh that's, you did come that's, on nick that's nolte. a huge oversight whoa that's a big miss yeah oh, oh. No, he's there okay i said okay. i said his name sorry yeah. <laughs> no no no. i mean it's, it's, he's great nick nolte is great in this movie as the gorilla 
What's the gorilla's name? I forget. I don't know any names. Bernie, I think. That sounds right. It yeah, is, Bernie. because I think I have a note in here that I was very upset that they missed a weekend at Bernie's opportunity. I was very disappointed. <laughs> well, especially at that TGF Friday's. That's, I know that that's where it is in my notes. We're not there yet, but no. we'll get there soon. No, but Bernie starts talking to him, even though he's isolated. I guess somehow he heard through the grapevine that now everyone's talking to uh, Kevin James. But, like, Bernie's in a well, little... Well, because the, the bird, the crow, even though the crow is not a zoo animal and gets just derided by all the zoo animals, right. the crow gets around and talks. So I assume that Bernie heard it from the crow. Crow took it upon himself yeah. to be like, Bernie needs to know this is going on. And, you know, this is big news. Yeah, I guess so. Um, it's very Game of Thrones, actually, if you think about it. The, the, that's true. Instead of a raven, it's the crow yeah, he, <laughs> delivering the news. He spreads the news. Yeah. But, yeah, anyway, yeah, he eventually comes to accept that these animals are talking to him and they're giving him advice about how to get his ex back. And the advice <laughs> involves peeing on plants in the restaurant to mark his territory. Well, hold on, hold wolf, on. That's what the wolf wants him to do. Yes, I, I, I enjoyed the wolf, too. I, I really I liked the wolf, and I like both bears. Yeah, they were probably the, my favorites. The bears were great. I mean, and, and Stallone and Cher as a yeah, couple they is, were good. is fun. Most of them were good, but here, you're leaving out a key piece of information here. Mm-hmm. They're giving advice, but he also has a rival. And as you said, this rival was yes. playing himself, which really made me laugh during the that's, opening credits. That's maybe unfair to Joe Rogan, but I think that's that's the ca- caricature. at all. No, I mean, because he's just like really intense like guy, and he's he's constantly like building himself up. And trying to talk about talking about how great he is. And, he's a giant blowhard. Yeah, he's a blowhard. I mean, it, it would be a funny character if it wasn't played by Joe Rogan, I think. <laughs> because it doesn't seem ironic. You know what I mean? <laughs> he's just playing this guy who's like, I'm intense. We're gonna, you know, it's like, they're at the wedding reception later and like, we're going to do our, you know, we took one lesson and we won the competition. We won whatever. a ballroom dancing competition. Yeah. And I mean, when you really think about it, that is a little over the top, over the top of showing how much of a jerk he is and how selfish it's somebody else's wedding, and you're getting out there and doing a ballroom dance performance. Right, and that's obviously the joke of it, is he's this blustering a-hole. You know, and I think a, a braver movie would have made this about that, about the whole idea of, like, the alpha male and all these animals. I mean, some more than others, but, like, the wolf and the lion are just like, you got to be the alpha, and you got to back make, make him back down, blah, blah, blah. And I guess that's what he does. They do it a little bit. They do it a little bit. It's kind of unspoken, but, it's, I mean, they do kind of talk about that, like, you know, the alpha. But you know what I mean? I, I think maybe if it was made today, it would be a little different because that's weirdly more of a thing. Like, there are actual guys who think that way. We're like, I have to be the most alpha. Where in this movie, he, he does that and it works, but it makes him miserable and he t- turns him into a person he, doesn't, he like. doesn't like who he is anymore. Right. So, I mean, I guess that's the message of it is, like, human beings are more complex than that, um, ideally. So, <laughs> you know. Just, eh. <laughs> sure, I mean, but you <laughs> some. But you know what I mean? There's this whole, yes, like, that whole movement of those guys. Yeah. The kind of guys who watch Joe Rogan's podcast, you know what I mean? It, it's it's a thing that I think Joe Rogan actually believes. So, I mean, to have him cast as this part, it kind of muddies the water because it's like, is this a joke or is Joe Rogan just kind of, like, on board for the whole alpha thing? Right. Um, I, I just think it would have been better if it was played by an actual, like, actor who you can trust is playing a character and not just kind of being himself. <laughs> well, you made me laugh with the opening credits. That's I mean, for it, sure. it's, it's, I, I haven't watched a ton of Joe Rogan, but I mean, it's clear my opinion. I don't have a very high opinion of Joe Rogan, but whatever. I, it's not, it's not based on anything. So it's, it's sort of a just instinctive dislike for that guy. So what we get, of course, through the arc is that Griffin goes on 
or needs a date, of course, for his brother's wedding. And yeah, well, after bicycle fights, like, <laughs> I mean, him and Joe Rogan, suddenly it becomes Ben Hur, or they're in like a chariot. There's yes. a bicycle sequence where they're fighting, or whatever. But yeah, eventually he gets the advice from Cher, the, the yeah. lioness. Is that yes. who gives him the advice? Saying yes, it is. she needs to see you with another woman and just go on a date to the reception with someone else. And he goes to the Rosario Dawson, who is fantastic in this movie. Yeah. She's a delight in every movie she's in. I love Rosario Dawson. That's a pleasant surprise. Like, oh my God, Rosario Dawson. I love Rosario Dawson. And she kind of, I think she's one of the reasons, at least for me, that I ended up enjoying the movies. She's delightful. She's always great. And you know where she got, you know where the first thing I ever saw her in? What's that? Episode of Sesame Street. Really? Yeah. I mean, it was when my kids were. Uh, watching like reruns of it, but she is in an old episode of Sesame Street. How old? She's been around for a while. She's, I, she's, I mean, really old episode because she's like a little kid. Oh, oh, oh okay. like a girl in the neighborhood, like in Brooklyn. I don't know which which borough she's from, but oh, I didn't know that. Absolutely, yeah. That's uh, weird because then she went on to the movie Kids, which is like a big. I leap. forgot. Yeah, I forgot about that. So that's, a, that's her first movie, I think. Um, so kind of with that, of course, they go on this date. Have they already have so much in common? Yeah, they're both zookeepers. Well, she's not a zookeeper, but she's... Sure she is. She, she keeps the aviary or whatever. I See, I thought she... She's like the bird person. She is the bird person, but I thought she had a different role. For, I thought she was a doctor for some reason, but maybe I'm wrong. Like a vet? Or yeah, just, that's what I thought. I mean, I guess they all are to yeah. some degree. Well, I, I, don't think, I don't think Griffin is a vet. I guess not. I guess there's a difference between like and Donnie Wahlberg, who's handling emergencies. <laughs> Donnie Wahlberg certainly isn't. No, yeah, that's true. That doesn't. That guy doesn't think he has any medical training whatsoever. No, he does not. Uh, yeah, Donnie Wahlberg. <laughs> that's a weird character. I mean, all, every all the zoo staff, other than Rosario Dawson and Kevin James, are weird and unnecessary and kind of off-putting in all, all their own various ways. Written by Adam Sandler, probably. Well, I don't. He didn't. Doesn't have a writing credit, but. Um, yeah, it has that vibe. It I mean, has, this is a Happy Madison production. Right, the, it's going to have moments that are like that. Ken Jeong, especially. Oh, big time. Venom? Yeah. Adam Sandler gets a lot of crap. I mean, Kevin James gets a lot of crap. Like, the, these comedians who are just, like, seen as lowbrow and, and kind of Least denominator, yeah. And I think clearly, well, to a degree, Kevin James gets it unfairly. Ken Jeong doesn't get enough that guy has never been funny in anything. Why is this guy still working? <laughs> he is terrible. It's so harsh. Am, am I wrong? That guy is terrible. I'm, Ken Jeong. Sorry. I'm Go not on. a fan. This in particular, I didn't know if it was the writing or it, it was really bad. He's always playing this character. I'm a sleazy guy, but I somehow, I, I don't know. He's always playing this guy. Just like, I think I'm cool and I'm super sleazy. It's not funny. It's not. He's never funny. He's never been funny once. He's never once made me laugh. He's in like 20 movies that I've seen. He keeps well, getting work. Rosario Dawson is a likable person yes. who works at the zoo. And yes. of course, over time, what Griffin eventually realizes is that he's happy in his job. He doesn't need to change. He just needs to find somebody that shares a common interest and pair up with somebody like that. And that's ultimately where the movie goes. Sure. It takes him a while to get there. And it actually quits his job and becomes a, a salesman, a car salesman. Yes. For a while, and then the weird thing is that there's nothing that really motivates his change back. You know what I mean? Like, well, he saw a bus drive by that said, <laughs> "Right, that's it." He just he sees a bus with the zoo ad. Well, it was a like, zoo oh, ad right for the, for the birds, though. That the I think I don't remember if it was eagles. Now, I, 
There are, yeah, I think it's Eagles. Is it? That sounds right. Well, it was definitely... Yeah, because the ad is the Eagles have landed. Okay, yes. and But that actually, I think, is the motivator. He sees the bus and just says, well... That's enough. It's time for me to go back. I thought maybe it was that chair. That was the last straw. It, that I weird can, chair. I can tell you right now, for me, the chair would have been it. <laughs> without I mean, a doubt. Uh, I guess. So he doesn't list it as his reasons. As soon as I sat on... Well, I'm not sure I would have sat on that chair, but once I did, that would have been like, nope, this is not me. I'm out of here. But yeah, and then he, he decides that he loves Rosario Dawson and chases her down because she's leaving for the airport to go to her new job, and he's got to stop her. He, he and Bernie he, the gorilla, which seems like a big risk. Yeah, and of course, since we're talking about the plot, we skipped over the best scene in the movie, which has nothing to do with the plot, which is when Kevin James and Bernie the gorilla go to TGI Fridays and have a time of their lives. What for, do you got? For me, it's in a different section. That's, oh, that's you, not plot. We can, we can say it. it's It's not plot related at all. But. Oh, no, you could completely... That scene... For product placement was written in, and you could completely take that scene out, and I'm not sure that much changes in the movie, but it's probably, it's probably the best sequence in the movie. It absolutely is. <laughs> I mean, the product placement is so blatant, and it's so disgusting. I have a what? hard time admitting that it's also my favorite sequence in the movie, because can, it's, it's... Can I ask you this? What? Which of these two, because I, I have in the little details, but I'm going to pull it forward. Which restaurant product placement is worse in your mind. Are you, are you ready? I'm going to give you three options. You may want to save this until an even later segment. But Okay, I mean, no, no, I'll save it. Well, uh, that's it are for they the, all Adam Sandler movies? Or, no. Okay, not, well, go, actually, go ahead then. I, I don't think any of them are now that I think do about it, it. Do it now. Let's do it now. Okay. Applebee's in Talladega Nights. I don't remember it. I've really? seen the movie, but I don't remember oh, it. Oh, they go over the top. I mean, they are, they're poking fun of the fact of how over the top they are. Of Okay. This is such a great meal. It's, it's self-aware. Yeah, it, okay. is, it is definitely tongue-in-cheek. A like little Wayne's bit of, World. Yeah, and a little bit of the humor in that movie is because NASCAR is all about advertising. I think that was a little bit of the tongue-in-cheek humor, too, about it. But yeah, okay. it is over the top. Yeah. I hop in which Superman is it? I think Superman Returns? No, no, no. It's Man, uh, Man, Man of, of Steel. Steel. Man of Steel. So I hop in Man of Steel or this. Which of those three? But obviously, you don't remember Tally Dig at Night, so it's not going to be that one for you. Well, it sounds like it's enough. It's tongue-in-cheek enough. Like I said, Wayne's World is the comparison I'm thinking of. It's like oh, they yeah. just crammed it into one place, being like, okay, let's get all the product placement out of the way. Little. Yellow. <laughs> different. Yeah. Uh, no, I think the most egregious one is IHOP in Man <laughs> of Steel. But it's just because I like Superman, and I'm so disgusted by the state of Superman movies these days. <laughs> so, I mean. All right. It, I can't remember. You remember that movie better than me. Are there two IHOPs in that that they destroyed? No, it was a Sears. I was wrong. I think the last time we talked about it, I said it was That's, a Home Depot. Yeah, it's, it's, it's two Sears. It's just, there's two Sears. Well, it, there actually aren't two Sears. The problem is editing. They're fighting in front of a Sears. You know, one of the bad guys punches Superman two blocks, and then he gets back up, and the Sears is still right behind him. <laughs> so it's just, they had their contractual obligations. It's like, whoops. We've got to get Sears in twice. We probably shouldn't have punched him down two blocks, because we're still, still stuck with a Sears behind him somehow. Outstanding. You, know, you got to do what you got to do to make your $200 million movie. That's right. Uh, so we're ready for technology? All right. Let's do it. It's already up in the cloud. What cloud? So this is the segment where we are supposed to find how technology <laughs> might have impacted uh, the plot, changed the ending, or just, you know, kind of key aspects of the movie. Are you coming in with just as much as me, which is not much at all? <sighs> I'm so disappointed in myself. I failed miserably. And it's not for lack of trying. Some of it's that it's a newer movie, 
but it's like the plot. How much would really change? And it's talking animals. I, I yeah. couldn't come up with anything. I think for next season, we're, we're, let's let's. I don't want to change horses midstream. But for next season, we probably need to retool this segment and figure out what to do in situations like this where the movie's not that old and, you know, or it doesn't really apply. Yeah, I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy is a, a good example of one that was tough, too, because it's a sure, or even space opera, you know. But even like uh, last episode, like uh, um, the 50s movie. Lord is a Flatbush. Yeah. Boy, I cannot remember any titles or names of anything. <laughs> I'm uh, glad I could at least get that right yes, since thank I screwed you. up the uh, main character's name. But it's like, okay, a movie's made about the 50s today isn't going to be that different than a movie about the 50s made in the mid-70s. It's like no, the 50s fair. is what it is. So, I mean... That's fair. But yeah, I, I have one note about technology. Oh, all right. Excellent. So we can at least get one. Yes. Which is, I think today, even more so than 2011, the zoo would have 24-hour surveillance of oh, every yeah. corner of the park because like hard drive space is so cheap now and cameras are so cheap. They would have every inch of that park monitored. Everything's up in the cloud. Exactly. That's exactly right. <laughs> So these these animals aren't going to have those opportunities in the middle of the night to have their little powwows with the monkeys unlocking a big door and, and letting the lion out. Because he's got thumbs. He does have thumbs. That's allowing him to unlock the door. I thought it was kind of funny. This is just a weird aside, but I was watching, and that gate, it's this big elaborate gate. It is. And it, it looks almost identical to the lion's gate symbol. And then he opens the door and it's the elephant. <laughs> I'm going, it should be the lion gate. It's, it looks like the it, lion's it gate. It does kind of look like that now. I wouldn't have put that together on my own, but you're right. <laughs> I was watching it going like, oh, the lion's gate. Okay. I thought maybe it was an inside joke, like an industry joke. I was just going to say, though. But it was the uh, elephant gate. Yeah, they, it had to be an elephant gate because this is, well, no, I guess in some ways this is Columbia and MGM, so maybe it really should have been, but maybe it was too much of giving Lion's Gate credit, which is its own company. It's that's Yeah, I mean, maybe if this was a Lion's Gate movie. Oh, I, they would I'm have made it. The I'm Lion sure Gate. they would have done it without a doubt. Anyway, all right, you ready for the little details? All right, let's do it. That cardboard headstone tipped over. That this graveyard is obviously phony. So the seg- this is the segment where we discuss the minutia of the movie that we found interesting and want to share with the world. Yeah, I've, my first thing is just a list of moments that I found funny. So right, I don't know if you want to just knock no, these fire it off. Okay, it's, so when Kevin James first discovers that the animals can talk. And actually, it's Adam Sandler as the monkey. We were talking around. Adam Sandler is insufferable in this movie as that monkey. He's just doing a voice like this. Everybody else is talking like a normal human being, which is what I like about it. I like how just like you know Stallone and Cher and you know um, I almost said Ray Romano. That's not John Favreau. Um, <laughs> Where did Ray Romano come? Ray from? Romano and John Favreau are very different people, but yes. somehow in my mind they got flipped up because their names, their last names, sound a little. Familiar. Yeah, I can see that. Um, but like every everybody except for Adam Sandler and the giraffe, um, what's her name? Who was on Saturday Night Live? Played the giraffe. Maya Rudolph. Yes. What you. a mistake. The two of them are doing voices, silly voices. Everybody else is just being doing their own voice, and that works great. Just talking to him like a human being is kind of funny. You know, the mundanity of it yeah. is what's funny. Instead of Adam Sandler, I've got thumbs. <laughs> God, every time that monkey opened its mouth, it was awful. I'm just going to say the voices because they're not funny voices. I, I know you're trying to well, delineate. The line was funny, and the kind of his, the voice he was doing was ruining it. But there's the, the, the first time I laughed, I actually laughed multiple times, which surprised me. But this is the time where I'm like, okay, maybe this movie is going to be okay. When Kevin James is like, how did you all get out of your enclosures? You don't want to know. Actually, I do. All right, then I don't want to tell you. <laughs> that was a funny exchange. Okay, oh, I like to... Talking to humans always get, ends in trouble, except for parrots. Somehow they all get away with it. That is a good line. That's a good line. Uh, yeah, the, the bickering bears, I wrote down, 
are amazing. Especially with John Favreau just exploding. Oh, he's like, you know, you know what you're talking about. Were you there? He's just constantly like, they just can't stand I'm just going to say his story, too, about the the female bears in Vancouver. One was a yeah. Kodiak model. She, she was a model. She was on a what? She was on a tobacco can or yes. something? Something like that. Kodiak tobacco. The, that's actually where I think it. Were you there? Yeah, were you there? Absolutely outstanding. John Favreau is really funny in this movie. Yes, yes. He should act more. He's he kind of stopped acting now that he's a big director, but yeah. it's like he needs to be in movies still. Okay, I liked Stallone because he's talking, talking about you'd never make it in the wild, and Kevin James like in the wild you were you born, born here. I born in fed. captivity. <laughs> yeah, that, that was funny. That was probably Kevin James, one of his funniest lines. Yeah, I Kevin agree. James. Yeah, yeah, that was a very good performance by Kevin James in that moment. Yeah. I agree. Um, the gorilla, Nick Nolte has the gorilla saying, I'd hug you, but 50-50, I'd crush your spine. <laughs> so they go with the fist bump, I think. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and then the whole TGI Friday sequence, which maybe we should save. Uh, that, that, I mean, that's what, that's the first and maybe the only thing I want to talk about. Okay, uh, not the only, but I mean, it... Let me read the other moments that I thought were funny, yeah. and then let's loop back to that, because we need to talk about that at length, because <laughs> there's a lot to unpack in that TGI Friday <laughs> sequence. Okay, at the wedding reception, Kevin James lip-syncing to Barry White. That got me. Oh, yeah, I missed that. I found that very funny, because it's like, his ex and Joe Rogan are they're doing their dance, and he's like, this is our song. And he, like, he keeps like, he, he's reflexively lip-syncing to the Barry Going White Going right back in the moment of Barry White. And like, yeah. his eyes kind of glaze over. He's, it's funny. Like, to Kevin James, that's, that's really funny in that moment. Okay, the euphoria between the two of them. Kevin James and Rosario Dawson come out after they've like had their adventure at the wedding reception. And they're like, that was great. And he just shouts out, we should rob banks. <laughs> She's up for it, too. Yeah. <laughs> Something about that really made me laugh. Okay, uh, Bernie the gorilla driving the van straight into the parked car. <laughs> thought that was funny because bernie the gorilla said that he could handle it he was gonna drive yeah, he's gonna drive. on the ride to tgi fridays he was only allowed to ride shotgun he was That's not right. allowed to drive it's like i can do it because kevin james is like stunned or dazed or something i yeah. forget why um okay the second mariachi band because she proposes to kevin james in a similar way yeah and he shuts her down because he realizes he doesn't like who he's become and then just a mariachi band comes out in the middle of his car dealership <laughs> i thought it was a really funny moment it was a funny moment and even though she wasn't likable I did laugh, I, I, and I felt bad laughing, but when she's like, look, just get out of here. She's trying to do the same thing. Which, I'm not paying you for some reason. Oh, I missed, I'm not, I'm I not that. paying you made me laugh. That is pretty funny. I mean, it, I, it's in character. I mean, it's perfect for the character. It's too. in character, and it, it makes total sense because the, char- the movie wants us to hate her. Yeah. And so they don't want us to feel, because obviously this is a very sympathetic. Painful, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like anything to make her unsympathetic. Yeah. So that makes total sense. Uh, and then last one uh, is the heroic shot of Bernie the Gorilla holding the kayak, where he's just like, oh, she's on the bridge. How am I going to get there? And just cut to the gorilla. Heroic music. Yeah. They did a great job with the gorilla. Dick Nolte is funny in this movie. The special effects on the animatronic gorilla were fantastic. Yes. It's like just realistic enough without being creepy and like in the in the uncanny valley, but still managing to wring some comedy out of that like animatronic gorilla face. It's, it's like really good effects. Yeah, it was. That's that's my list of All things right. that I found are funny, and then we can loop, if you want to talk about TGI Fridays now or later. Absolutely, or we should do TGI Fridays first. I just want to say I love the idea and concept that you just stick a polo shirt on a gorilla. <laughs> right. The logic of that is so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous, but in a way, I think it's genius. It is, yeah, that's what makes it funny, I think. You're right. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's rewind a little bit because Bernie the gorilla is a gorilla of the zoo who 
Donnie Wahlberg said that the, the gorilla attacked him, but it was a lie. And so the gorilla is like sad. And been in isolation, basically. Yeah. As, as a result, and then kind of has been withdrawn and doesn't have these conversations with the other animals. Right. But now that Bernie knows that he can talk to Kevin James. He's got somebody he can trust, and he's got a friend. Exactly. Yeah. They're becoming friends. And so at one point, Kevin James, this is like right before the wedding reception, right? I forget where it happens in the movie. I think so. Kevin James comes down to his like little gorilla pen, and he goes, Bernie, I need your help with something. We're going out. We're going out of the zoo. And you, th- I thought it was going to have something to do with, like, him like helping him with his you know romance problems. Really? Oh no, I knew a hundred percent what it was. That it was TGI Friday. Yes. How did you know that ahead of time? Go okay. That you're right. There is an important setup also because right, as they're I becoming going to cover. Well, go ahead because as they're becoming friends, there's an important line of dialogue. Yeah. So Bernie the gorilla asks. He says he really wants to get his view back because he used to have a view in yeah. his old enclosure. But Kevin James' character Griffin says no, can't do that because they've basically redesigned the zoo so that enclosure isn't there anymore yeah the reason bernie wanted is he had a great view of the city and he saw this place fridays and he wanted to know if it was as amazing as it looked which i thought was kind of a i didn't realize that later on they were gonna have major product placement i thought that was kind of a joke and kind of zinging fridays no i i there's enough product placement in happy madison and produced movies no i didn't that's the thing it just seemed like shoehorn product placement because the line is and it's the, it's the capper to a scene it's the last line of a scene where they're becoming friends it's like this emotional thing like yeah. weirdly and it's like actually kind of affecting like I loved that character of the gorilla and he's like let me ask you one thing and especially the Nick Nolte voice let me ask you one thing what's that is TGI Fridays as amazing as it looks <laughs> End of scene. Cut. <laughs> and I, I saw that thinking like, boy, oh boy, they're really, really stretching these, uh, these product places. Oh, I'm sorry. It's not a cut. It cuts back to Kevin James. He goes, it's pretty good. Then you cut to the next scene. Yeah. So I thought like that's, that's just, they had to find somewhere to cram in this TGI Friday's well, product. And I thought that was the end of it. It certainly was. So when he's like, I need your help, I didn't think they were going to TGI Friday's. I thought they were going to help him with his love life. But no, they just go to TGI Friday's. Maybe it's because I don't, I guess, follow as much of the Happy Madison productions. A hundred percent. I said, "Oh, he's he's taking him on Fridays because he's he's his buddy, he's his friend. This is the one thing that he asked about." So I I assumed a hundred percent. But doesn't he say, "I need your help" or something like that? Yeah, I think that was just to get him out. Was, was a cover? The, yeah, a cover. And then he, the polo shirt. I'm telling you. And the first thing that came to my mind is, and maybe it was intentional. Maybe what was it? I'm immediately thinking of trading places. That's immediately sure. what I think. <laughs> well, the gorilla suit's much better it's here. It's much better. But that, I mean, that's where my mind went immediately is yeah. trading places. Trading places. I always find it kind of funny in trading places because there is like a clearly a suit. Like this is the bad gorilla suit. And then they cut to like the quote unquote real gorilla. And it's only a slightly less bad gorilla suit. <laughs> <laughs> that always makes me laugh. Um, I'm not sure if it's intentional or not, but no. it adds a layer to the level of comedy. Yeah, it's like, this is barely any better, this other gorilla suit. Uh, but no, the, the gorilla suit in, in Zookeeper is kind of amazing. It's really Well, it's good. even better when you put on a polo shirt. <laughs> yeah, I could honestly kind of see that almost people buying that. But the, the conceit of it is we're going to go to... He doesn't tell him he's going to Fridays. That's a secret. But it's like, we're going to go out and Bernie the Gorilla's like, I can't go out. People are going to... Or no, he's like, he's like, you can just talk like normal. It's like, we'll say that you're, it's, we're going to a costume, costume party, party right. and you're dressed as the gorilla and I'm dressed as the zookeeper. So let's put a shirt on you to complete the costume. Like, that's the, the leap of logic that didn't quite make sense. I agree with you that the shirt completely makes the comedy and work. That's, 
I think it was needed because it's just not standing. But if if, it's, if your costume was a gorilla, then why are you putting a shirt on over the costume? It doesn't make any sense, but it works. And then when they get to TGI Fridays, he has to explain, oh, I'm a gorilla, but I'm a preppy gorilla. That's my costume. <laughs> that's what I love, preppy gorilla. Yeah. And that's also a weird thing. It's a weird decision. This is sort of unrelated. We'll get back to TGI Friday, but like... The decision that these animals can talk to anybody. It's not one of these things where only he can hear them. Yeah, that's what I kind of thought it was going to be is that I don't know, he gets hit on the head or whatever and mm-hmm. whatever. Now he can hear the animals where everybody else can. Where it's ambiguous whether or not they're really talking or whether yeah. it's all on his head. Yeah. This is not ambiguous at all. This gorilla is talking to the TGI Friday's waitress. Having, he's picking up women in the bar. That's the, one of the funniest <laughs> moments. There are so many funny moments in this sequence that I completely forgive the product placement. The whole movie should have been this. The whole movie should have been, you know, it these should have two, been Weekend at Bernie's. Human plus gorilla bar hopping across Boston. That's all I wanted to see. This sequence is amazing. It is absurd and surreal in a way that I'm not sure the movie even appreciates. I mean, <laughs> there's like 20 levels of absurdity and they keep piling on top of each other and it's it's remarkable i mean i, I mean step by step what is the sequence because they go well, and they well, just have you. a meal at first well, right? even before that because i do want to get to the inappropriate song choice if this was supposed to have been a kid's movie so it opens up oh yeah of them driving there yes. and actually there's some things i like in that because somehow bernie the gorilla now again they apparently all can speak, and so maybe at some point they've picked up even more human traits. But when he, I like the moment, he gets in the van, and he does he pounds on the side of the van like <laughs> yeah. it's time to go. I laughed at them. Like, how does Bernie the Gorilla know this? Well, also, he knows what a preppy is. He says, oh, a preppy gorilla. It's like, he knows what prep schools are. He's a gorilla. It's, it, I mean, it's, you're way past the point of caring about these logic details. It's, yeah. It is so absurd that you, I wanted it to be more absurd. Just keep piling on the absurdities. This, it was so, it just pushed it so far beyond what the rest of this movie is doing. So the two, It is like a work of art in and of itself, this TGI Friday sequence. <laughs> the two of them are driving, first driving around because he hasn't revealed that they're ultimately going to Fridays. Right. So they're driving around listening to Low by Flo Rida. Yes. <laughs> Which is the only song like this in the whole movie. The rest of the movie is just classic 70s rock. Yeah. I, and suddenly here's this Flo Rida song. And I, I don't know if it's because of the boots with the fur line in that. If that's the reason why they picked it for like Bernie to get excited about that. But I mean, they both of them are super into this song. And then Bernie is like, he's pounding his fist yeah. into the top of the van. And Kevin James can base all basically he's like, hey, be careful because you might do some real damage yeah, to this van. That's pretty funny. It was outstanding. I, I will say there is one missed opportunity in this scene where they're driving is they did not record Nick Nolte singing along to Florida. You know, Gorilla's just kind of dancing along, but only Kevin James is singing. You're along. right. That what a missed opportunity. What I wouldn't give to hear Nick Nolte's voice coming out of a gorilla singing along to Florida. It would have been great. I mean, that in and of itself is totally absurd. And then they arrive at, at TGI Fridays. Like, we need to deep, deep dive into this. We're not even there yet. They get there and they order and they explain that they're in a it's a costume party, right? Yes. And and uh, Bernie, Bernie orders, orders like thirty oranges, thirty oranges, which doesn't ar- arise any suspicion at all. She's like, okay, sure. 
<laughs> you know, off the, a, I haven't been to a Friday's in no. a long time, but I can assure you that's not on the menu. Totally off the menu. You know, some places they'll have off the menu items. You got to know to ask. But an for. orange is not one of them. Not let alone thirty oranges. And then, like he's he's experimenting with the ice. He's like, oh, it's ice, and oh, you're gonna get a brain freeze or whatever. Yes. Then it keeps cutting to like increasingly escalated like party animal antics where <laughs> suddenly Kevin James has a guitar and he's playing a guitar and the gorillas sing it and the entire establishment Oh, they they've taken over the joint. They have completely taken over. It is the greatest time. I mean, I, you can understand it, why. On. Wait, this wait, is, though. I, I need to cover this. Because okay. not only is it the greatest time anybody has ever had at a Friday's, this has to be the greatest Fridays in the entire chain. Sure. I want to run down the things that it has. Okay. This is something I missed. It's got foosball. Yes, it does. They let you play behind the bar, and you can use the, the seltzer. I mean, you can spray yeah, from, from behind the bar. Playfully st- spray drinks at each other. The wait, <laughs> I, I'm sure they're not charging them for that. It's the wait like, yeah. staff there is willing to pose for a picture like six of them that Bernie is holding up, which, of course, arises no suspicion that this preppy gorilla can hold six people. Yeah, up. exactly. The cover story of we're, I'm in a costume, but also I'm the strongest man alive. Uh, hold, uh, the, the two others, it apparently, because I don't, at no point in time did you see Griffin, bring a guitar. So I had to assume that Fridays had this guitar. Yeah, it just appears out of nowhere. Suddenly they're jamming out and rocking out on this guitar. They let you smash the guitar. <laughs> right. And then later on, there's a pool table. You got foosball, pool tables. You can spray the stuff. This is the greatest Fridays ever. This may be the greatest restaurant. Even <laughs> Buster's isn't this much fun. Yeah, I think it's the greatest product placement in the world because I guarantee you the so- stipulation was you need to make Fridays look like it is so much fun. You will never have as much fun anywhere in your life than at TGI Fridays. Yeah. You know, and the funny thing is, I mean, I know you can drink at TGI Fridays, as I said, some Fridays in New Jersey got in right. trouble for watering down Swill. their drinks. So, yeah, obviously, it's a place where you can go and drink, but it's not a place where people, it's not a destination for like no. meeting women. And, you no. know, like, what is I this? Mean, the way honest, it's being depicted, it's crazy. Any of those kind of chain restaurants, so every once in a while, maybe not every, maybe too often, I actually will go. Uh, you know, the wife and kids and I, we, we like going to Red Robin. We like the burgers there. And there's sometimes that I'll just go by myself because I like the burgers. Sure. Well, when I go by myself, I'll go and sit. There's a bar at Red Robin. I kind of laugh. I'm like, why? Honestly, why is there a bar here? But whatever. Sure. It's the, if, if this, if the Red Robin was like this Friday's the bar, I mean, that must be the most happening place in all of Boston. I mean, do you think word just got around? Like, there's a gorilla at the TGI Fridays. <laughs> the well, whole town is converging. On, what? 2011 has twi- has Twitter really exploded by 2011? It's around. I don't think it's it's around. But I, I think actually, now. when I was doing the history, the Arab Spring actually had just been like the month before. Yeah, that sounds right. So Twitter existed, but it, it, it's it's not what it is today. But, well, but I could see in a world where twi- I could see where it catches fire. Instagram, there's yeah. this amazing preppy gorilla that can hold up <laughs> six people. Twitter, I gotta get to this Friday. Twitter was big enough that I would, I would believe that one to two hundred people found out that there was a gorilla at the TGI Fridays and flocked to it from the surrounding area. And that they had foosball and pool tables. But some of the funniest stuff... They're they're sitting at the table and they decide to buy zucchini fries for the girls at the table. Not drinks. They don't buy drinks for the other table. They buy these four girls zucchini fries 
And then cut to the girls, and they're like raising their glasses as if they bought them those drinks, but they didn't. Why are you toasting with drinks that weren't bought for you? They should be raising the zucchini fries. Yeah, thank you. And then they cut back to Bernie the Gorilla, who makes the funniest face. Well done to the anima- animatronic people on the controls. Man, he gives the funniest nod. Like, yep, we bought you those zucchini fries. <laughs> so I, I don't, I, I feel bad being the wet blanket. The only thing I didn't like about that sequence is that Bernie clearly needs to, I guess, get a little woke. Because he jumps to the conclusion, he sends it to the table of secretaries. Oh, secretaries. That so they I, may have somehow found out through the waitress. Yeah, that there was secretaries. I, maybe. I mean, again, I don't want to be a wet plate. That was the only thing I'm like, oh, I, w- I wish they wouldn't have had that line. Because the jump to that conclusion in 2011. Is, I, I did find it to be a strange presumption, but whatever. It, it's, yeah. there, there's enough fun in the rest and the fact that he's ordering zucchini fries. But then the final, the cherry on the top of this sequence... <laughs> They're having a blast. It's just like, yeah, yeah, just like party time, crazy party time. Hard cut to slow dancing. Bernie the Gorilla is slow dancing with one of those waitresses. Her head is on his shoulder. Not the waitresses, one of those secretaries. The secretaries, pardon me. Um, See, I'm doing it now. I need to get more woke. And uh, they're slow dancing. Her head is on his shoulder, and she's like, I'm so glad that I met you. (laughs) And doesn't he give... Griffin like yes. a thumbs up because Griffin's over there playing pool and she gives him that's a thumbs right. up. That's where the pool table comes in. This image, this is like something out of a David Lynch film: a gorilla in a golf shirt, slow dancing with a blonde woman in a TGI Fridays. I mean, it is the most surreal thing I've seen in a movie in a long time, and it's in this family comedy. That is just those combinations of, of images. It is bonkers. Chief Wiggum, don't <laughs> eat the clues. <laughs> I mean, this most recent season of Twin Peaks was had all kinds of crazy surreal stuff Nothing in it. Like this. There are no gorillas in, in, in golf, shirt. golf shirts slow dancing with a girl at TGI Fridays. You know, it's funny. You mentioned about you'd love more of this being I now that we're talking about I joked about Weekend at Bernie's. I honestly think there's something there of just the two of them going out with him. I can see them at like a golf driving range at like a top golf. Again, just having like the time of their life yeah, being should, like the life of the party. This should be the whole movie. All the relationship stuff. I mean, you can have, you know, the Rosario Dawson. Oh, he gradually comes to learn that he yeah. cares for her. Fine. Have, yeah, him have and, that. Him but, and Bernie just bombing around Boston, just passing off. <laughs> no, he's, he's a, it was a costume party yeah. we just came from. I mean, conceptually, that is very lowbrow. The idea of like a wacky guy and his talking gorilla. They're going to have a, they're going to, they're part. It's like Ted, you know, that movie about the talking like, yes, bear, like that, teddy yeah. bear. Yeah. But it's a with, gorilla. With Mark Wahlberg. Exactly. But instead of a teddy bear, it's a gorilla. Like that, it's it's on its face, it's a it's a pretty lowbrow premise. But you do it right, and you do it in this absurd, surreal way. I would hundred percent go see that movie. If you I, make the whole movie like this sequence, oh my god! <laughs> all right, that's that's all I had on Fridays. But I <laughs> I don't think we're even doing it justice. It is it is really really worth seeing. I don't know if I'd recommend the movie on a whole, but I'm, hopefully this, this somebody's Friday's, posted that on YouTube. Somebody I hope it's on, I didn't look. I hope it's on YouTube. Somebody if if it is, look for it. It uh. is it is a surrealist masterpiece. Salvador Dali would look at this and say, <laughs> "This is wonderful." It really, really is. And it, the thing is, is like everything else in my notes here from the little details. It's all downhill from there because sure. that by far and away was the best. Now, I did want to say there was one part of Ken Jeong's not character. The one thing I did enjoy, I I did like the 
his car, the license plate, I, again, his whole you know character was kind of dumb. I like just S's for his license plate. However, yeah. if your character name is Venom and you love snakes, that was a nice touch. I wonder if that is allowed. Like, I, I got to think the DMV would have something to say about eight, eight S's on your license plate. It might be hard to know exactly the number if the police are like trying to pull you over or whatever and call it in. Is it seven or eight S's? I'm not sure they would allow that. Maybe they would. Yeah. Maybe Massachusetts. Uh, it's hard to say. Uh, okay, we're in little details, huh? Yes. We were, we were talking about <laughs> about TGI Fridays for so long, I lost my place. Okay, I did enjoy, so, so Stallone's first line as the lion. At this point, I was not really in sync with the movie yet, and I was kind of like, mm, I don't know about this. And so when I heard this line, I kind of thought maybe it was a little meta, where Stallone, <laughs> as the line comes in and goes, all right, I've got a very busy schedule, this better be good. I just imagine oh. this is him coming into the recording studio. <laughs> you know, I couldn't help but read a meta element into that line. I can kind of see that too. That that is that that was a good observation. I'm sure they recorded all his stuff in like a couple of hours. So you know, he's just like, all right, I'm here. Let's just do it. So you think he's hey, like, hey, I'm Krusty the Clown. I was just gonna say he's Krusty. Hey, hey, see, see how the professional does it. Hey, hey, it's uh, it's uh, cr- does he see Corpsey the Clown? I don't know. Whatever. Uh, I Krusty know. the Clown. Krusty the Clown. <laughs> bada boom, bada bing. I'm out of here. Okay, Krusty, you're ready to. What the? What the? One of my favorite moments in that show of all time. <laughs> yeah, that was very much what I was imagining for Stallone. Just getting the real stuff and Krusty's already gone. I don't mean to short change Stallone. I do think he's actually trying. He actually seems like he cares in this movie. He's, he's emoting. He's not just there reading the lines. Yes. All right. So one of the things I, I noticed, and this is probably another good example of kevin james i think given a good performance and being legitimately funny the world of fashion in this world at least seems just awful and sure. zookeeping seems so much better but his the zingers he gets on whoever that fashion designer are were some of my favorite stuff in the movie what does he say i don't oh, remember. he's got first he said i think he asked he opens up hey siegfried where's roy oh kevin james is back to the guy yes yeah, so what the the fashion because the fashion designer oh is that like, guy's just out there you just look like a waste of space yeah, he's just a he jerk like stephanie is right now what are the yeah so the grandma siegfried, hair Roy? okay grandma hair there's one other one but the grandma hair is i thought the one that was put it over the top okay i was kind of what is grandma hair <laughs> that actually reminded me, you know, you mentioned it, that it reminded me of in Bill and Ted, Sigmund Freud, when they go to the mall and they try to hit on those girls and they're like, what a geek. And he's like, what is a geek? <laughs> yeah, what is grandma hair? It made me laugh only because it reminded me of Sigmund Freud and Bill and Ted. I didn't think about that. Now it actually is even <laughs> yeah, funnier what to is me. grandma hair? The way that they laugh at Sigmund Freud, too. Yeah. Geek. Yeah, and then... And then uh, I think it's Socrates that really zings him. Yeah, Socrates is just like, yeah, geek. <laughs> That's right. Socrates is really amused by that. Yes. Uh, if we ever do Keanu Reeves, we got that in store I, for us. I have to admit, there's a part of me, because I think you and I both love the John Wick movies a ton. Mm-hmm. Between that, I mean, to be honest, Speed and Point Break, there's some good stuff in there's there. There's a lot of good stuff. I gotta admit, the Bill and Ted movies, I so enjoy those movies. They both hold up. I watched uh, Bogus Journey a couple years ago, and it held up great. It's still really good. <laughs> Station and the robot usses and everything. Uh, all right, sorry. Uh, what else have you got in the little details? Uh, here's a line that jumped out at me. Again, this is early in the movie. So the earlier in the movie a line was, the more kind of jaded and, you know, I was looking at everything with a little more, you know, I wasn't on board yet. But here's a line where Kevin James, he's bragging about how he was named head zookeeper very early. And he goes, it's like getting a black belt in karate after only a month or, uh, or, uh, or that's all I can think of right now. And then I just wrote down five screenwriters. (laughs) 
because you know that's just the screener has been like, we can't think of another one. Let's just admit it and have him say, I can't think of another analogy. <laughs> that jumped out at me as like pretty lazy, but I'll give this movie the benefit of the doubt and assume that it was intentionally funny and not just screenwriters not being able to think of another joke. So I wanted to highlight, I, I just find it in my notes, I wanted to give the, the I guess, wolf, I don't know if it was a wolf pack or if there was only one wolf. There had to be more than one there's more, there's more than one. But only one speaks, I think. Only one speaks, yes. Ba- so, Baz Rutten, the, the uh, MMA fighter, which I thought was interesting cast. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he's, I didn't he's, that. he's good. He is good. I, the advice of pee on everything, turn it into a home game is a great line. Oh, I missed that one. But the, the response, then the back and forth with, with uh, Kevin James, there's got to be another way. Immediately back, there's not. There's not yes, I mean, as a matter good. of fact, with such a great delivery line. No, there's yeah. not. Yeah. Baz Rutten gives a great line. Really. Yes, that's, that's to really... a wolf, I, I completely bought it. No, there isn't. Yeah. This is what you have to do. And also Kevin James being like, all right, I guess I'll pee in things. No, 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 that's my spot. Get away from that spot. <laughs> he only really has that one scene, but it's a funny scene. It is the, a great the, scene. The wolf is funny. Yeah. Um, it's amazing how, how much we enjoyed this movie. It really is. Uh... Okay. What I was. Doing? What's funny is when I picked this, I was like, I just let's just take our medicine now. Exactly. That's how. I mean, look. When we put together the list, it's just like, well, that's when we rank these. That's going to be the one that's in dead last. <laughs> it's not even going to be close. It's, no, it's not. It, this is probably going to be middle of the pack yeah, when it's all said absolutely. and done. Oh, yeah, the wolf wolf pack. <laughs> Uh, okay, I have a note that just says, this animatronic gorilla eats gelatin cake like the cookie monster eats cookies. <laughs> And then his line, was there a plate in there? <laughs> plate in I there. wish I could do a better Nick Nolte, but that was a great... You gotta, uh, you gotta get her back on your throne. Tell, I'm, I'm not, mine's not great either. Tell Kate, thanks. It, I just found a note. Uh, Rosaria Dawson's character's name is Kate. Kate, okay. The only other thing I had, and this is... I, I almost don't want to end on this because it's a little bit of a bummer. I, I really enjoyed the sequence with Kevin James and Rosario Dawson. At the wedding, they have this to kind of show up Joe Rogan and Stephanie, they have this, there's a, there's a silk, basically a Cirque du, Cirque du Soleil kind of performer with a silk ribbon. That's the reason I couldn't get it out. Is there? Is yeah. it, do we actually see a performer yeah. that uses those curtains? Yeah, they're up there. You very briefly see it. Okay, because I thought they were just like hanging on the curtains no. that were set up for the, for the reception. No, because it's there, and then the guy who's chasing has kind of a French-Canadian accent, so it's, oh, like, it's French-Canadian. And so those are his curtains. He's not yes. just like a guy at the wedding. No, 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 no. I, boy, I must have like looked away yeah. for a second. I mean, it's not a lot, but they are up there performing. And so it is, it's like a genuinely, I really thought it was kind of a sweet sequence between them. Until, the, until it's not. Yeah, and that's the thing is the bummer is at the very end they turn it into this slapstick moment. I, yeah. I just, I was so bummed by that. They couldn't help themselves. Yeah. There's a lot of moments like that in this movie where the story is being undermined by a joke. When it's like... And not a funny joke. That, that's yeah. the thing. Is it, it really... It, it was a nice sequence between the two of them. And that's the thing you always hear from like comedy writers who write you know, fiction, not just like sketch or whatever. Even like the South Park guys always talk about it, where it's like, it doesn't matter how funny a joke is, if it undermines the story, you got to get rid of it. it ha- everything has to serve as the story and make you care about these characters. And I totally agree. I was a little unsure of it because it's just like, they're acting like understand. children. They're just hanging on the drapes. No. I didn't realize that those drapes were there specifically as like a performance thing. Yeah. So now that I know that, you're right. That was my only concern about that. Otherwise, I agree. It was, like, it was a very sweet moment. Yeah. And you needed that. And... And then it flows right into them like having a moment out in the car. Why interrupt that flow to have a terrible joke where he trips the bride and then, and then his brother takes like, out the ice sculpture? No, 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 she's fine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Actually, weird trivia, and this maybe is why the 
actress who played the bride is, is Kevin James', James wife. wife. Yeah, so I did see that. I wonder if it's like she wanted to have a joke in there, or she, you know, it could be. Can't cut Kevin James's wife <laughs> sequence, you know? <laughs> they might, they might have something to do with it. Uh, that's. I think that's all I really had on the little details. Uh, that's all I got too. I think there were a couple of direction like. I think the direction of this movie is pretty good. I was surprised at how well made this movie is because this director only makes These uh, Adam Sandler movies. No, exclusively works with Adam Sandler. Like, oh. He's like Adam Sandler's buddy or something. It's caddy. Yeah, who knows how. I mean, well, we'll get to like Adam Sandler's production company later, but um, I was surprised at how, I mean, there was, there, was a, there was a dolly zoom, like the shot in Jaws of Chief Brody where he sees the kid yeah. being attacked by the shark, that, that one of those like, you know, dolly zooms. Uh, there was one of those where uh, what's her name shows up at the party at the zoo. Um, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. It, it, it's like the the background like stretches out. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really good use of that, and that can be overused a lot. And I thought it was a you know it was a good, appropriate good, time. Yeah, exactly appropriate. Uh, and then the moment in the opening scene where he proposes to her and she says no, and it, the color timing changes. In a, oh, I didn't see that. It's like such a specific joke. The scene up until then is like sepia tone and it's very like brightly colored. And then she says, "No, I won't marry you." And then just like, Boo, and like all the color oh. drains out of the scene. That is well, that's clever. I didn't notice it, but that's pretty clever. It's very subtle and very like it's such a weird joke, especially to put in your first scene of just like here's this like filmmaking joke because like nowadays all movies are colored in a computer. You can just like basically do anything to the color. Like Oh Brother, We're Out There was the first one that did it. It wasn't common at all at the time where they, they ran it through a computer. They messed with the colors, and that's why it looks like faded and like a sepia tone kind of a look. You've seen Old Brother Art, though. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's all very like low contrast or whatever. And so every movie does that now. And I think it's, it's almost like a joke about that. I'm just like, we were futzing with the color, and then she said, no, I won't marry you. And then all of the like artificial computer coloring faded away. <laughs> and like here's the reality now. Um, I don't know. I thought that was really yeah, kind of funny. Yeah, it was clever. All right, are you All done? Right. Let's move on to questions. Time for the devil's advocate. I want to ask you a bunch of questions, and I want to have them answered immediately. So this is the segment where we ask each other questions that we came up with while watching the movie and do our best to try and answer them. That's right. I do have a fair number of questions here. So. I have a few, but maybe not as many of you, so I'll let you lead off then. Well, my first question is very simple, and I just don't understand it. What is with the guy with all of the bees in the eye patch? What is the <laughs> joke there? What is the deal? It's certainly a very lowbrow joke, if there's one at all. Is it? What's the joke? I'm assuming because he works the snow cone stand where there's a lot of sugar products, the bees probably hang out there, and he gets stung a bunch. That's what I think it was. I'm not saying that it's good or it's funny. Okay. And he's barely in the movie because the only other scene he has, I think, is at that uh, wedding reception, not the wedding reception, but the engagement party at the zoo, He's the one who's playing the music. The character isn't a fully drawn out character at all. It barely has sure. any dialogue. He's barely in the movie. Yeah. But it's obviously some kind of a joke, right? It's not, it's not like this movie is just presenting him as like, oh, he's a guy, he has an eye patch, and there's nothing unusual about it, right? I don't it's presenting it as unusual. I think that they're trying to say something. My assumption that I leapt to was that he gets stung a bunch and he lost his eyesight. I, I don't know. Because okay. there's like a cloud of bees around him the first right. time you see it and then you never see those bees again. Or No. I just didn't understand it at all. No, okay. that, that's what I thought it was. All, all right. right. Okay, so here's what I'm hoping. Right from the first scene of the movie, I'm hoping you can, you can help me. So they're on this beach. They're on a horse. He's doing this elaborate. He's got a... We didn't completely cover it. I'll do it now. Sure. He's got the proposal in a bottle on the beach. It's actually... It's, very well done. Yes. Touche. I, I, I think uh, people probably stole this. Probably. 
the 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 message in a bottle on the beach. I I did not have that. I had an elaborate idea as well for my proposal. It did not go very well. Uh, sometimes when you are outdoors, is this the balloon? Uh, yeah, the hot air balloon. <laughs> okay, I mean we don't have to go into it. We still have never been up in a hot air balloon either. We've been married thirteen <laughs> years. Next month. Uh, you live in the town where there's hot air balloons every year. How have you never gone up on one? Uh, can you not go up in those balloons? Those you can. There are tethered rides, which is not what she really wants to do. She wants to be up. They don't let you go all the way up? No. Well, here's the thing. I volunteer at the festival. Yeah, you got to use your pull. There, there is a way when in the morning when they if, – if the, and the balloons very rarely can take off. This is really getting sidetracked. But they very rarely can actually take off. But the few mornings sometimes when they can – it starts west of us. They will fly in and land at the field. Oh, so we're at the landing point. So you have to landing. drive out to like Aurora or something. Yes, but all of the hot air balloons, the people in the crews, they are there. So two years ago, I was doing it in the morning, and they said, hey, I've got room. Does anybody want to go? I called my wife. I'm like, you got your chance right now. It was too early for her because it is super early in the morning for the morning uh, balloon launches oh, when they do it. Well, then that's on her then. I, hey, whatever. You gave her the opportunity and she didn't take it. Touche. I think. So <laughs> I, I got it. Okay. This, right, that's yes. my okay, debacle yeah. of an attempt to <laughs> sure. propose to my wife. Frequently, people will go to great lengths yes. to have a big romantic uh, proposal. And so here, the, here's the his chance. Message is in the bottle. They're on a horse. Yes. He's got the mariachi band that you talked about. Here's what you got to answer for me. Where was that mariachi band hiding? Because they are not very far away as they're marching back and the mariachi band appears. Where were they hiding? You only see in one direction. You know, if you look the other way, there may have been like a rock formation or trees or something they were hiding behind. Okay. You only, the camera's only, only looking in one direction. We don't see behind the camera. It's true, but I think it's a legitimate question it's, that it would be yeah. difficult for a mariachi band there's no, to hide. There's no doubt that it's a cheat, but I think the movie's deliberately not showing the other side of the beach so that they could cheat it. That's fine. All right. You know. I'm playing devil's advocate. Once yeah, again, I know it, I'm, I'm trying it's, it's, to answer that's a, your... That's a fair answer. Right. I think it was a fair question on my part. All right. Uh, okay. Here's a question of mine. Once things start to go badly for Kevin James' character, why don't the animals just talk to Rosario Dawson and enlist her help? Because she is clearly also just as friendly to the animals and just as good a zookeeper as he is. And clearly they like her and trust her. <sighs> That's Why don't a, they just go to her and say, hey, we messed this up. Why don't we need your help? We'll help you, etc." That's a tough one to answer. The only thing I'll say is it seems like other than Donnie Wahlberg's character, it seems like all the other people that work there are relatively nice and positive. She is more so than, well, than Venom. Not that he seems that he's not, but I guess... He seems good with the animals, Venom. He just seems yes. like a creep. Kate is as close to Kevin James's character, Griffin... So it's logical for you to ask that. I'm just gonna, I'll have to answer and say they still really want to try and maintain this. They, they feel bad that they broke the rule in the first place, and to do it again, that's the reason they don't do it. They're like, no, no, no we got to draw the line. We're only going to talk to Griffin, even though we're screwing this up badly. We can't talk to any other humans. Okay. But wouldn't that's, I think, the missing piece of this movie. You know, I think a, a missed opportunity, and B, a way to kind of cover some of the flaws of this movie. He, I mean, for a good stretch of this movie, Kevin James seems like a crazy person. The way he's behaving because the animals are talking well, to him, he's, and he's, he's acting like a bear. And when the zoo is, is, uh, I mean, we, we he's sort acting of like a bear. He's peeing on animals. Yeah, you know, he covers that one with a 
He says that the the wolf was stung by a scorpion, and he's peeing on the venom. Yeah, so I mean, he's but the point is, is he's acting very strange. He's acting very strangely, and this movie is missing the moment where she learns the truth and says, "Oh, this explains all of his behavior." You're right, and it also I think would have been it's a missed opportunity because then you could have had like a coda where these two are talking to all the animals and everyone's cool with everybody and like, oh hey Stallone lion, how are you? Oh, I'm good, you know. The the two of them at the end should have shared this secret. You know, because it's like it's it's kind of weird to me that at the end they're together and they're presumably going to go off and and be together like they're you know it's a love story essentially yeah. and yet he still has this secret with he doesn't reveal to her that the animals are talking to him and like I feel like that's some somewhere well, that you needed to be dealt with. I mean, Bernie is there and falls on the cab. Well, so. right, but she doesn't question it. She's like, "Oh my god, what is the gorilla doing here?" <laughs> you know? I, I assume that shortly thereafter on the ride back. He's got to explain, and that Bernie come, comes clean, that he's been a preppy gorilla, he's been at TGI Fridays. I, I think Bernie comes clean after that scene. I wish they had showed that then, but okay. That's a reasonable assumption, I guess. Well, you've got them all singing there during the credits, which I really want to talk about, oh. because you want to talk about Stallone once again proving he has no business being in Rhinestone. You want to hear Stallone and Cher sing a duet of More Than a Feeling? This is the movie for you. More than a feeling. <laughs> no, it's more like this. It's more like... More than a feeling. <laughs> you got it spot on. <laughs> it, stuck, it jumped out of me. Yeah, we need to start tracking movies where Stallone sings. Please, please, for my sake, put that in the episode. You've got, we've got to have Stallone singing more uh, than a if feeling. If you want me to keep that in the episode, I'm gonna have to, you're going to have to leave this DVD here <laughs> have to leave so I can rip the sound. Um, well, apparently not as much trash as we thought. No. But... Um, I don't know why that's... I mean, I guess it's just like, oh, it's a fun thing. We'll have all the animals sing at the end. Yeah. But it's not like it's part of the story. Oh, or it's, just, it's, just a, it's a strange choice. Oh, I, and also, did they just pick that song because it's by Boston? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I mean, that's, I like Boston. I don't I have, a problem, I don't have a problem I don't, with the use of the song. It's just a strange decision. It's, right. it's, because, yeah, that song, it's just such an arbitrary choice. It's just like, I don't know, it's a song that we like. Let's put it at the end of the movie. I don't know. I'm just looking at my notes here. Somehow, somewhere along the line, I have Griffin referenced in my notes, and then somewhere here in my Devil's Advocate questions, I changed it to Barrett. I don't understand why I did that. It must have been his last name. All right. All right. So I, here's my next question for you. I think it's established pretty well that Griffin does not drive. Not that he can't drive, but he doesn't own a car because they show him on the bus. Sure. He runs home. All right. So in the very, it's not the first scene, but very early on, if you, after you get the five years later, it might be the first five years later scene, actually, now that I think about it. He's going to a junkyard. He buys a giant tire yeah. for Bernie the Gorilla. Mm-hmm. They show him pushing it out of the parking lot or whatever where he bought it. That makes sense. Yeah. When I then realized later on in the movie that this guy doesn't have a car, am I to believe he pushed that tire the whole way? It could be just around the block from the zoo. You don't know. Or maybe he got it on the bus. You think that's, that's you, your you fit, answer? I think that you can fit that to the bus door. Did you see the size of that tire when he's got it in the, the cart that he's driving around in the zoo? It's massive. There's no way he could get on a bus with that tire. I mean, it's only like four feet, I'd say. Something like that. It's, it's I mean, huge. T- sure, but a person is six feet, and a tire is skinnier than a person. And it's, oh, it's, it, it's not as tall it as was, a person. It was wide. It was super wide. That was a wide tire. Well, sure, but... The width doesn't matter. It's it's the it's the width. Uh, it's the smallest width. You know, like the the lengthwise of the tire. You can roll that up into a bus. No, I'm not going to buy so. your answer. He did not get that on a bus. Uh, that tire is not wider than a bus door. 
Oh, I absolutely think it nah, is. I don't think so. Okay. I, I think he could get that on a bus. So what you're saying, your answer is you think he did not push it the whole way. He got it on a bus. Probably. Either that or it was nearby and he pushed it the whole way. Okay. What's I mean, next? you know. <laughs> I, I mean, how, I don't. There's no way for me to know the answer definitively. I'm just saying these are possibilities. Okay, you're right. It didn't. It didn't seem unusual to me. Um, I mean, it, it, you said it only occurred to you later, but he's not going to get that in a car either. It's more plausible that he gets it into a bus. No, than he could. He could get on a pickup truck. I think it's very plausible he could have got that into a pickup truck. But if it fit in the be- bed of a pickup truck, then it fits in the door of a bus. No way. Have you been on a bus? I mean, not recently, but I've been, I, I, I have not, been on a bus. I'm, yes. not, I'm not that broad-shouldered, and I'm not saying I barely fit, that I have to turn, but th- th- those openings are not that wide. That, um, that was almost like a monster truck tire. That is not no, fitting I, on a I bus. think you're misremembering how big the tire is. All right. Anyway, what else do I have? I got one here. I'm ready Why don't to you fire. go ahead? I'm All just right. refreshing my memory. I got one to again. fire. This, this I actually think is a legitimate question. All right. Well, first... Do you get the impression that Griffin and his brother have a good relationship? I think so. They seem to genuinely like each other. Yeah. Uh, and what's funny is that even though it seems like some of the other car dealers are kind of stereotypical, sleazy, he doesn't seem that way. Well, I, he seems like, I think the movie is saying that his he has good intentions, but yeah. what he thinks is best for his brother is not actually right. what's best for his brother. But I, I think it establishes this as a positive, good relationship on yeah, both parts. for sure. All right, then this is a big question for me. Why is Griffin not in the wedding party? Do we see the wedding party definitively? Do we know who's Absolutely, in the wedding? Absolutely. When do we see that? You see it up at, they're up at the head table. That's where a wedding party always is. Oh, yeah. Griffin is, I mean, I understand why they've got him out there because then he can, it's easier for him to interact. I, yeah. I do understand why. For the blocking of the movie, he needs to be next to the dance floor. Yeah, but uh, that's a. Yeah. Big omission that to have your pretty, brother that you have a good. I mean, I, there are some brothers that might not be in wedding parties for reason. Right. It's clear these guys have a good relationship. He he would be the best man at his wedding. I well, I'm here's what I'm going to say. I'm going right. to paper this over. You're right. That's a big oversight. But I'm going to say that off screen they have six other brothers, and we don't see them because they're not relevant to the story. <laughs> but that's who you know, that's who made up the wedding party. Not yeah, exactly. There's only so that's also then why. There were no bikes left to rent at that bike rental. Sure, yeah, exactly. Yeah, all, all of the this enormous family but, that we but never wait, see. I have a follow up to that. Okay, if that's a wedding party event, right? That makes sense, yeah. right? They're out. Why is Stephanie and Joe Rogan? <laughs> right. Yeah. Why do they? Why do they get bikes? They're not family. Absolutely or, yeah. not. They're not in the wedding. They're out in the the general admission too. I mean, why is Stephanie even invited to this thing? <laughs> considering the history, and considering because she's friends with. The bride is the reason why. Is it, is that true? Yeah. It's not just they know each other because she used to date. I don't think I got brother in law. I got the know? I got the vibe and feeling that maybe not that they were like the best of friends, but they 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 were friends and had remained in contact even after the breakup. You're right that they shouldn't be there in this bike ride for the wedding party. <laughs> but also, only occurs to me now that they don't even wait for uh, for Griffin. I say I'm not. I'm confused. Now. It's Griffin. Griffin. Yeah. Okay. They don't even wait for him. There's, they've got this bike ride plan for the whole wedding. For, or even if he's not in the wedding party, whatever this you group would is. You think his brother would be invited to the bike ride. But like he's like, oh, I got here late, so there's no bikes left. But they leave without him. It's like, wouldn't they be like, let's just wait? You would hope so. Yeah. Also, it's 2011. There are cell phones. You'd think, you know, he'd be like, I'll be there in 10 minutes. Don't leave without me. You, you got me right there. Because <laughs> okay. actually, it's not for that one. It's for that whole end sequence. And I know it gives you the moment that you like that. You're right. Bernie the gorilla have, but there's no but the reason. Kayak. There's no, <laughs> all things 
to a kayak. <laughs> I mean, that's also pretty absurd. Just so many absurd, surreal images in this movie involving gorillas. But they've got this giant, of course. And You're right. We, we talked about this on a movie recently, that you have to have this... Well, wait, why do you have to have this chase sequence? Basically, you're trying desperately, and I, maybe it was... Was it stop or my mom? Yeah, it was stop or my mom will shoot that he's chasing her down at the airport. Why? And uh, cell phones were different then. Yeah. It's like you can just call her. She's flying home. She's not, you know, flying to the moon. This. She's driving to the airport in 2011. You don't have a phone that you can text her? Hey, wait. No, I really want to talk to you. Yeah, I didn't think about it until uh, now having this conversation, yeah. but they don't even have the moment where he tries calling and, oh, her phone's yeah. off or whatever. Uh, no battery or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I guess 2011. No, for, I mean everybody was texting in 2011. Well, sure, but it's not like it's not. It wasn't so essential to people's lifestyles the way it is now. I suppose were smartphones out then? I guess maybe they were. Oh yeah, absolutely. the The iPhone came out in 2007, 2007 okay. or 2008. That's longer ago than I thought. Absolutely. Okay. So, yeah, that's a pretty big oversight then. All right. So yeah, he's not in the wedding party, and again, because it not for all would it make sense, but for this, it seems like no, these guys have a really good relationship. He would absolutely if he's not the best man, he would be standing up in that wedding. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Yeah. These are these are things that the movie could very easily fix by just giving an explanation. He's got six brothers. Her cell phone is off. Like these are very easy fixes. Yeah, the screenwriters didn't occur to them. Or, there's actually an easier way that you could have kind of written it away. Is say they wanted a really small wedding party, which actually it's not. When you actually see it, it's that's a pretty big wedding. It's, yeah. it's a pretty big wedding. And elaborate. But if you wanted to, if you really wanted to explain it, you would say, no, they wanted it to be really small. They just had a maid of honor and a best man, and it was really important that her brother, you know, give, give sure. the brother some reason why her brother had to be the best man, and it's all explained Or it's, away. A, it's the owner of the car dealership, and he's sucking up to him, or you know, yeah, whatever. Yeah, it's something that they're... Or, or is he the owner, or is he just the manager? I, it seemed like he was the manager. Yeah, I don't okay. think he was necessarily the owner. All right, something so like that. what's your next one? Uh, okay, we've been talking about the human characters a lot. Let's move back to the zoo animals. <laughs> Does the zoo staff not notice that the elephant is knocking over this lamp post every night so that they can gather? Because oh. he knocks over the lamp post so that the, the monkey can jump across and unlock the, the gate with his, his thumbs. Well, I, I assume, okay, you're, that's a good question, but I assumed that Judd Apatow returned it to its form and Judd put it back. Judd Apatow plays the elephant. Yeah. I'm not sure if we ever established that. No. Not, a, it's a, not that Judd Apatow, the human being, runs in. A, v- very, director a runs very nervous in. elephant as well. Yeah, he was, he was okay. Yeah. Um, so oh, I so he puts it back? I assume it? that he, yeah, he props it back up and okay. puts it back in its place. But over time, that would... would like, <laughs> it would snap off. Yeah, it's probably it would work its way out and not stand up anymore. Probably right. Um, okay, but yeah, I guess, I guess they're all smart enough to cover their tracks. I, th- I think so. All right, so I have two things actually with his time uh, as a as a car salesman. So the first question that I have related to this is: they all his brother assumes Stephanie assumes that they're going to give Griffin this. Jo- you know, he's going to get this job that he's been a zookeeper as far as I can tell his whole life. Right? Why? What skills? Again, I, there's nothing wrong with being a zookeeper. It seems like it's a great job. He really likes it. But uh, I'm sure it's a very difficult job. To be it probably honest. is. But where is the overlap that makes you somebody who can sell exotic cars? What? What? what can you help me understand why both of them seem to think he is going to be a great salesman of exotic cars? Nepotism. It's a hundred percent nepotism. I think it's. I think it's portrayed that way. Okay. He's just like, I can get you a job. Like, I'm, I'm going to pull strings. Okay. It's entirely up to his brother to then, decide who he hires. I think you're right, but then this leads me into my next question. 
How great of a natural salesman is Griffin? He apparently has sold three exotic cars in one day. He comes from three. Yeah. I can't imagine it's plausible that you might sell three of those things in a month, honestly. Oh, he sold three in a day. Your customer base has got to be tiny. These are high end, like super high end. Quarter million dollar cars. Yes. I mean, they're not super cars that he's selling, but they're in that stratosphere. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe not a quarter million, but no, 100,000 plus yes. for sure. And he yeah. sold three in a day. Three, including that weird ATV where that guy, like, yes. it's, he can't handle whatever. Yeah. He's portrayed to be an amazing salesman, which is an interesting choice. I don't know if it's necessarily a good or a bad. Like, I think it might have been interesting if he was a bumbling zookeeper, but happy. But he's an amazing salesman, but miserable. Miserable, yeah. And that's the choice of do the thing you're good at, but you hate, or do the thing that you aren't so great at, but you love. That could have been an interesting thing. No, and you know what? No, he's great at both. And what's funny is, so a great example of that, I'm just now really getting through season two, but going back and watching season one, Barry on HBO is a perfect example of that. Yes, yes. That he is absolutely miserable at something he is great at. Mm absolutely terrible at something that makes him happy. Yeah, that's the ex- perfect yes. comparison. You're right. It's on yeah. the mark. It makes me wonder, actually, uh, how much of that's about, not to get sidetracked by Barry, but I mean, because I, I know that uh, Bill Hader was miserable on Saturday Night Live. Oh, I didn't I know that. I can't help but wonder if that's the analogy. <laughs> that, <laughs> that would be funny. Because he was great on Saturday Night Live, but apparently he was miserable. I didn't know that he was miserable. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, so that actually covers it for me and uh, questions. So what, what else have you got? All right, I just have one last one. All right. So Joe Rogan at the wedding reception, I think it's at the reception, he's telling a story, and we just hear the ending of the story, and he goes, to this day, you can't say my name around Jose Canseco. It is at the wedding. It is at the wedding. It's a reception, right? Yeah. We don't actually see the wedding, do we? Just the reception? Just the reception, you're right. Yeah, okay. Um, so first of all, just my note is, it makes total sense that Joe Rogan, this, this character would be hanging out with Jose, Jose Canseco. Canseco. That was on the spot, perfect. Yeah. But my question is, what do you think the story is there, and how how much drugs are related to? Okay, so <laughs> are involved in this story. My answer is hundred percent drugs are involved. Mm-hmm. Probably okay. steroids, right? I also envision him probably giving Jose Canseco a lot of grief about one or two things: the fact that he blew out his arm pitching, <laughs> or okay. there's also one. I think when he was on the Rangers. But I distinctly remember this. He's going back. He loses track of, of the ball. <laughs> yeah. I it bonks him over the head. It should have just been like a routine. Not maybe a routine, but a difficult you know fly ball at the warning track. Catch. Even if he drops it, it's a double. But it's it, a yeah. double. But no, he loses it and whatever. Hits him in the head. It goes over the wall it, for a home run. It's one of the best home runs ever. It bonks him on the head and goes <laughs> an extra couple of feet. So what I think is that Joe Rogan was talking about that home run while I, doing drugs and probably talking about steroids. I'll go one step further. I'll bet that Joe Rogan's character lost money on that game because of that home run. <laughs> Gambling on that game. And he probably, is, probably was asserting that Canseco owed him money for that. Exactly, yes. That's <laughs> what it is. Yeah, I think we've cracked it. I, I, I like that explanation. All right, that was my last question. That was a good one to end on. All right, let's move on to Silk Cozart. Both of y'all. Yes, y'all. Go back to see what. This is the Silk Cozart Memorial Internet Research Corner. Named in honor of Silk Cozart's character from the film Eraser. Who did not make it. Who did not make it. Uh, so this is a segment where I go into a deep dive about some piece of internet trivia based on something that interested me in the movie. Sounds like it's going to be Happy Madison Productions yeah. from earlier uh, clues. It certainly is. Let's talk about Happy Madison Productions and the total scam that it is. Because <laughs> you're, you're apparently not familiar with this. This is becoming 
this has been talked about on the internet more and more recently as far as like the last four or five years of not just Adam Sandler movies, but movies that he produces. Bald face, you know, advertising. Like it's just entirely these movies are built just to be a vehicle for product placement. Which is interesting to me though, because isn't his deal with Netflix and the, these movies are only showing up on Netflix? Well, that's what the scam is, I think, is because they pay, he pays himself and he pays all of his buddies exorbitant fees. Everyone's making 10 to $15 million a movie. And they, the movies are basically making a profit before they even come out because they're selling the whole movie for product placement. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is what people believe is how those movies work. So people say, like, oh, these movies are terrible. Why are they still making money? Like, how do these keep getting made? It's getting made because he's perfectly happy to just, just, chill. just have his movies be you know, wall-to-wall product placement. And so for this segment, what I wanted to do is find the best examples of uh, – th- these are all Adam Sandler movies. I didn't find any – you know, I, I did the best I could to find some examples of product placement. See, the first one that you've got pulled up here before you play it. Yeah, you know what it is already, right? You, I do, but the thing is is that I do enjoy this one and think that it does fit in with the actual movie. Well, I think that's the, that's the evolution is early in his career, he was much better at disguising it to make it part of the story. But you're going to see some clips here which is like, this came out of nowhere. This is just okay. shoehorning in. This is why I thought that TGI Friday's line from the gorilla was just a shoehorn. Let's just, let's, we got to cram in this TGI Friday's reference. Yeah. All right. Also, it's worth noting, I forgot to mention, the last word of the screenplay is Izod. He's like, I still got your eyes out when oh, they're going to go out to Benny Hanna's. And Benny Hanna is the sixth to the last word in this movie. You're right. So the last six words of this script have two product placements in them. He, yeah, it's not just some nondescript polo shirt. You're right. It's an eyes You're absolutely right. Yeah. And I, I'm sure that the polo actually has the eyes logo. I didn't yeah, actually I didn't notice. see it, though. Yeah. It's too far away. Yeah, I didn't notice until the, the last line of the movie. He says, you still got your eyes out? It's like, oh, yeah, I bet that was an eyes I'll bet they paid money to get their... That's why the gorilla's wearing this shirt, I'll bet, even though it is hilarious. <laughs> Accidentally hilarious because they, had to, work, they yes. had to fit the eyes on product placement in. So, okay, this first one's right, from uh, uh, Happy, Happy Gilmore. Gilmore. I failed, okay? Let me just sit here and enjoy the one thing that makes me a little bit happy. This fresh, delicious, tasty, meaty, turkey-filled, cold-cut combo. Yeah, I mean, this one's I funny. I three every day <laughs> to help keep me strong. Talk about a whole new <laughs> one. Can I have one of those? Coming right up. <laughs> Talk about a hole in one. But see, this oh, one has a level of irony to it. Right. I, yes. It's that's why that's still funny and it doesn't seem gross. Yeah. It's only in hindsight when you see some of these later ones that you look back at that and go, oh, ba- this I, is where it all began. Subway must have paid a fortune. Exactly. <laughs> So let's look at it. I got two from Big Daddy. I'm kind of going chronologically, but I'm saving certain ones for last. So, okay, right. here's Big Daddy. It's different for your generation. You, you guys have always had the McDonald's breakfast available to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When I was born, all we had were the burgers and the fries. Maybe the fish sandwich. I'm not sure. I got to get back to you on that. So I forgot about that one. Just a conversation walking down the street, and they had to cram. And also, they go to McDonald's. They're on their way to McDonald's. Yeah. Because he gets angry because he missed breakfast. And doesn't doesn't the kid pee outside of the McDonald's then, I think? Yeah, because he's got to pee. He's like, hurry up, we're going to miss breakfast. And yeah, pee that's, outside. Right, that's right. It's been a long time since yeah, I saw Yeah, me too. Uh, and then here's another clip from Big Daddy. Man, it's you who is good. You know what else is good? Smoking dope. <laughs> I do enjoy you who, but that is a little pushing it. 
Yeah, he's trying to because he thinks his, these kids are a bad influence on the kid or whatever. Yeah, that still kind of you can buy. Of course, he's taking this, this kid to McDonald's. Of course, these kids in the playground are drinking you who. So like, it's still I plausible you, enough. I, I haul you who across the country. Uh, okay, so here's Mr. Deeds, a movie I have not seen. No, neither have I. I've got three yeah, examples from Mr. Deeds. I love it. There's a water fountain in this posh house. I don't really know the plot to Mr. Deeds. That's Hawaiian punch. He adores <laughs> Hawaiian punch. Wow! So there's one. Okay. Here's number two, Mr. Deeds. John Turturro, why did you take I that know. role? See, they were supposed to arrive at Blake Media at five, but they made an unscheduled stop in Connecticut. I'm oh. so happy I got to The unscheduled stop is at Wendy's. Thanks for stopping, buddy. This is unbelievable. Mm. Happy to do it, Deeds. I'm a treat you, Cecil. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, you got some in your beard. Hmm? I'm just <laughs> All right, so they had to squeeze a Wendy's plug. Right? And I'm a big time. I mean that 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 the Wendy's restaurant in that frame is over the top. It was an establishing shot, and it's just a shot of a Wendy's. There's no characters yes. in the shot. They could have just taken that from a Wendy's promotional Absolutely. ad. And you would never know. Okay, and then here's the last clip. Oh, John Turturro from Master John Turturro. I was thinking about this: how many careers Adam Sandler has destroyed just by like just by being associated with Adam Sandler? I think John Turturro and Steve Buscemi, the only ones who have survived their association with Adam Sandler. Otherwise, like Chris Rock has been destroyed by Adam Sandler. Just a lot of talented people. Uh, maybe Kevin James. Maybe he would, if in other contexts, he would be really good. But um, here we go. There's the last clip from Mr. Deeds. You see, I never knew my father. Mama, she passed while giving the birth to me. You want some cocoa bevels? Okay. Are you kidding me? He said, you want some cocoa bevels? No, I heard it. Straight from there. Yeah, yeah. straight from... So a guy says... (laughs) My mom died while giving birth. Hey, you want some cocoa pebbles? (laughs) With cocoa pebbles... Uh, not dead center of the screen, but very prominently displayed yes, for those listening at home. And you know what I noticed is I don't think the post logo is that large on real boxes. It looks like a thing <laughs> where they, they enlarge the post logo because that post, would be interesting. I think you might be right. Yeah, I don't think it's really that big. I mean, I, maybe it's been a long time since I had Cocoa Pebbles, but um, okay. So here's one clip from Grown Ups 2. This is pretty quick, but there's an entire, much like. TGI Fridays in this movie, there's a whole scene at Kmart. Hey, Malcolm, I didn't know you worked at Kmart, and apparently the hair on top of your head didn't know it either. <laughs> what? That's the, there's no other mentions of Kmart. There's like a five-minute scene in this Kmart where they talk about stuff. <laughs> well, it didn't help the business very much. <laughs> no, that's true. <laughs> yeah, it really got in when Kmart was at its height. I mean, it may come back depending on what that lawsuit, whatever. Yeah, know. I don't think so. I mean, well, something's probably coming back. I know my, my business is not extending them any credit, that's for sure. <laughs> They're still trying to order products from us. Uh, okay, this is from a movie called Bedtime Stories. The entire film is on YouTube. I've never heard of this movie. I've Neither have I. no idea what it is. But um, I found these clips because I found some articles like running down how notorious you know, Happy Madison is, and this is just on a list. Gotcha. So I found this clip. The, this video we're looking at is the entire movie, so I had to actually find this, but here it is. Anyways, you're in my cushion of protection right now. I want to back up. So if you could just zing-zang up there, that would be helpful. He's in a van. Yeah. I forget the exact name. By the way, you might want some Cinnabons. You're going to need it. Give it back! Some kids run in and grab the Cinnabon. I watched the scene leading up to that. 
Cinnabon has, it's not as if this is anything to do with anything. In the middle of a scene, he's like, well, here's some Cinnabon, you want it? And then some kids grab it, and he's like, it's my Cinnabon. That's, I mean, that's the level, that's where it's getting, where it's just so shoehorned in. I agree. Um, We're not even at the worst of it yet. These are getting more and more shoehorned. That's how I organize these. So here are, here's a clip from You Don't Mess With the Zohan, which I have never seen. I have not either. Once again, John Turturro is in this movie. Um, it's amazing that he survived this, but okay. So they're fighting. I don't know what's going on in this movie, but um, they're in the middle of a, of a fist fight. But I guess Jacques can't wait to die for real. Hang on, I'm getting a call. Michael, what is? Sohan, uh, we have a problem here. Where do you get that? Uh, this is uh, Sony Ericsson. It has Bluetooth? <laughs> of course it has Bluetooth. I can never figure that Bluetooth shit out, though. Oh, no, no, uh, Mariah, it's very simple. You stick it to your Powerbook. Go ahead, tell your phantom will tell you. Mac or a PC? Mac. You have MySpace. But, uh, you know, the Riker company does. It's not really mine. Please, Mariah Carey. Sure, yeah, yeah. Michael, what is? Okay, I thought there was more. <laughs> Mariah Carey is there for some reason. Apparently yes. she's in that movie. Um, <laughs> oh, no, it's Sony Erickson. Uh, okay, now two from Little Nicky. Have you seen Little Nicky? I think I have. Do you remember this from Little Nicky? No, I don't, I don't remember the product placement. This was the one, oh, I, you probably have never seen Little Nicky then, because I think you would remember. This is the only thing I remember about this movie, is this product placement. All right, it'll come back to me fast. Maybe then. it will. Okay, so here's the first scene. Right. The talking dog is teaching Little Nicky how to eat chicken. Yeah, then I don't know if I've seen this thing. Okay, because he's a demon and he's never eaten before. I so you say, I remember this being notoriously bad. It's, it's very bad. It's yeah. one of the worst movies I've ever seen. So this is a setup. Popeye's chicken is f***ing awesome. <laughs> I'll bleep that. <laughs> um, and that, so that's early in the movie. And then at the end of the movie... Is, that, is that really what you want for your... I mean, product placement. You might see you say that and you go, oh, it's probably not product placement because Popeyes wouldn't want him cursing during their product placement. But watch this clip and tell me this is not product placement right. because I'm telling you, Popeyes got their money's worth. So there are <laughs> demons attacking, and little Nicky is using his powers for good now instead of evil. Okay. And this is what he does. I, have, I definitely not have seen this. Now. Okay. He created puppies. Now he's created an entire giant box of Popeye's chicken. Put it in your mouth and let the meat slide down your throat hole. Not you, not you. Popeye's chicken is the shiznit. Oh my god, that has to be one of the worst movies ever made. It is one of the worst if movies ever made. If that is an example at all of what that movie is, at all. It is. Even a fraction of that bad. It is. That has to be one of the worst movies ever. Made. It's one of the worst movies. I, I mean, I, I saw that when it was relatively new and was still an Adam Sandler fan to a degree. And I, at the time, I went like, I don't think I've ever seen anything worse than this. It might, it's, it's in the running of one of the worst wow. movies I've ever seen. I mean, that's to the point where it would actually might be hard if I watched that whole movie. You wouldn't be able to get through it. I guarantee I would not be able to get through it at, this, at my age now. I, even as a 24-year-old or whatever, I, however old I was at the time. I was going to go, a, I was gonna go a step further because this doesn't happen as much, I think, with me as maybe it does with you. I might not be able to like find Happy Gilmore funny anymore. If, if I like sat through that, it might be that damaging. That looks that bad. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of there with Happy Gilmore. I mean, there's still a lot. Happy Gilmore is funny when Adam Sandler is not on screen. Everybody around Adam Sandler is still, I still find funny in that movie. 
I mean, I haven't watched it in like 10 years. But Shooter McGavin is still funny. Oh. Your ball struck my foot. That guy is still funny. <laughs> Mr. Larson yeah. is still funny. Everybody else, Ben Stiller is funny in that movie. Everybody who's not Adam Sandler, I still can enjoy. I can't enjoy Adam Sandler in any context anymore. Okay. And the last and most notorious product placement in any uh, Adam Sandler movie, and I, I wonder if you've seen this, because you're not on YouTube as much as me. I've never, nope. seen, I've never seen this movie, Jack and Jill. Never seen the movie? I know it exists. I've not seen it. So have you seen any clips from this movie? I don't think so. You're going to be horrified by this if you've never seen this before. I haven't, so bring it on. Here we go. I present this Dunkin' Donuts. It's already from the image we're looking at, prominent Dunkin' Donuts. You don't, do you even know who's in this movie? Other than Adam Sandler? No. You're going to be horrified. Oh, I can't wait to see your D D. What? Al Pacino. Is what? A- Pacino? It's not Al anymore. It's Dunk. Dunkachino? <laughs> Don't mind if I do. What's my name? Dunkachino. This is a notorious you product placement. Goodness, I'm your friend. Say hello to my chocolate blend. This is in a movie. Michael Corleone, what have you done? Mm-hmm. He's making references to the Godfather. He's dancing. This is like Mac and Me. Yep. I mean, I think this is a little ironic. Especially in a minute, you'll see. He's dancing with a man in a cup. There you have it. It's actually 32 seconds, so I got to lose two seconds. Maybe you can tell me what what part you would lose, but I think we are getting there. Burn this. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) This must never be seen. (laughs) That that makes it. That that kind of takes the schneid off it a little bit. A little bit, but it's hard to believe. Pacino filmed that. He had to know what he was filming. Oh, yeah. Oh, Meaning yeah. In, within the context of, like, the movie. So for him to say, burn this, you can't be surprised. You got up and singing Dunkachino. And it's not as if it's a generic. Like, that is like, Dunkin' Donuts product placement. Like, that movie got paid by Dunkin' Donuts, no doubt about it. Oh, probably a fortune. Yeah. To I mean, get Al Pacino how, to hawk Al Duncan, Pacino to hawk even in Dunkin' a, Donuts. Yeah, even in a movie. And, I mean, that that's not like a... Five second scene either. That's probably like thirty seconds. Thirty two seconds, like like Adam Sandler said. Oh wow! I did not know that existed. I'm glad you'd never seen that. I am horrified. I knew you would be. As a Godfather fan, you are, and also Scarface, which I'm not. Scarface, Donnie Brasco. I mean, Heat. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I'm a huge. I mean, I'm a huge Pacino fan. (laughs) Now, in a similar way. <laughs> Similar to what we were talking about with Adam Sandler, now are you going to be able to watch Al Pacino movies in the same light, knowing that he did that? Oh man! I mean, it's the thing is, is that he the the back you know the last fifteen twenty years of Pacino's career, you know, he hasn't done a lot of good stuff. So I, he has he has embarrassed himself less than De Niro has. I would that's say. probably true. He just hasn't done as much. It, it won't ruin it, mainly because some of the movies are... So, I mean, I just not think... I'm mean, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, how many great movies has that guy done? Yeah. And this is what he's doing this is, <laughs> at the tail end of his career? This is his legacy. I'll tell you this. I, I would bet you anything. You ask people under 25, maybe under 20, where do they know Al Pacino from? It's this clip. Because this clip is all over the internet. If that... I'm, jo- this is a notorious clip. Jokes aside, that's a travesty. Like, if, if that's really what... The, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, wanted to I, bum you out. I mean, seriously, that does bum me. For an episode that, you know, was a pleasant surprise, 
That is a bummer. And that piece of information, if the 25 and unders know Al Pacino, who is a great actor in some of the greatest movies. Yeah, that goes without saying. In the you history. You don't have to say that part. Of, no, I don't. <laughs> we all know. But if that is what he's known for, that is so sad. Because what else would kids know him from? What movies has he been in that kids would have seen other than Jack and Jill? I mean, oh, it's that old guy from Jack and Jill who dances the Dunkin' Donuts song. Dunkachino. You probably think his name is Dunkachino. <laughs> Don't mind if I do. I am. <laughs> I mean, I kind of love it. It's Michael Corleone. <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, honestly, you want to talk about what is the polar opposite of Michael Corleone? Yeah. It's that. It's that. I'll bet it was Pacino going, oh, De Niro's doing comedies now. He's in those Meet the Parents movies. I got to keep up. I got to get into when, comedy. Yeah, when did Jack and Jill come out? 2011. No, that's, that's too late because Meet the Parents was early 2000s. I guess so. I don't know. That, that honestly, I'm kind of bummed now. <laughs> well, we had to I hope you I hope you're happy. I am happy. I mean, this this episode was surprisingly fun and ebullient, so I had to like we can't go one episode in this season without some kind of bummer. I mean, honestly, that was that's like my that is like Mac and me. It's like my worst nightmare. <laughs> it is Al Pacino performing in Mac and me. That's what that is. Yeah. Sure. If Al Pacino was that puppet teddy bear who danced on the McDonald's counter, at least Pacino didn't get up on a counter and, and, and he's dancing and he's got the, the lining of his jacket, which is not apparent over the audio, is lined with donut shapes. <laughs> I can't deal with this. I can't. We need to move to the next segment. I honestly, I'm like, I'm, I'm super beat up by this. All right. Well, maybe I shouldn't have saved it for last, but you can see why I did. <laughs> I can see why you did. It is. It's like it's, one of my favorite actors of all time who's in some of the greatest mo- movies of all yeah, time. It's a bombshell. That's that clip right there. All right. Let's move and on. The up. fact, I didn't know it existed. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I, I was leading a sheltered life, avoiding YouTube, and now you have destroyed life in, for me. I'm infecting you with the internet because you don't have time for, <laughs> to find things like that, and I like just know Dunkachino. through osmosis. All right, let's move on to the body count. Ignoring Al Pacino's career, here's the body count. This movie, we only killed 48 people compared to the last one where we killed 119. Yeah, I think at least his standing with me, you have murdered <laughs> it. Right. So you might be able so, to add that to the body count. We can add that. And uh, I, was, I also was wondering, maybe that guy in the ATV drove into traffic and died? So, uh, but obviously, this is a kid's movie. So. Yeah, so I don't think he did. Yeah, so I think so, it's fair to say zero. This is a zero body count. This is the segment where we compare Arnold Schwarzenegger's body count to Sylvester Stallone's. Thank you, yes. Arnold had an average body count of 14.76. Sylvester Stallone, the lion, does not maul anybody or anything like that. <laughs> no. He mostly just sits around and gives bad advice. Yes. Um, and sleeps a lot. That, that's established. Cher establishes that every, <laughs> uh, the lions both sleep a ton. I did enjoy them kind of arguing. The banter. Yeah, yeah. it's like, it's, it was actually like very emotionally real in a surprising way. Like, they felt like a real couple, these two lions. Like, they argued in a way that felt yeah. very, very real. Like, in a way that the human characters, none of them felt like real people. Somehow the lions were the most human <laughs> characters. Uh, but anyway, yeah, zero so on the, the body count. Yeah, sorry. So, uh, uh, Sylvester Stallone is still at 227 on the body count across 26 movies now, which gives him an average of 8.73. So, this season, I just wanted to look at the season, because obviously, like, he has been at a standstill for a while. So far... Soon to change. Yes, yes. No <laughs> doubt about it. Uh, but this season, he has had a body count of 17 across 10 movies, and that's including Tango and Cash, where he had, like, 8 or 9. Wow. I would have never guessed any yeah. season would be that low. So, I mean... He well, is, it's going to change here soon. It'll change. Well, let's, let's move on. Well, we're not there yet, but um, 
Yeah, no doubt about it. By the end of the season, he will have more than 17. <laughs> undoubtedly, undoubtedly. Okay, let's move on to the Wrecking Crew Award. Outstanding achievement This is the segment where we give an award to the actor slash character who did the most damage, either physically or emotionally, in the movie. It's the one-man wrecking crew. Yeah, and this, this one was not a man wrecking crew for me. <laughs> I think we're going to have the same one. Go ahead. <laughs> I went with Jerome the Bear. <laughs> oh, Jerome the Bear. Yes. Oh, no, I went with Bernie the Gorilla. I can see why you went with Bernie the Gorilla, but... Wow, what an upset. I, I went with... Jer- He's in a very limited amount of scenes, but I really enjoyed what John Favreau was doing. I agree. Now, Grant, it was both. I should have given it to both bears, but in particular, I thought that the the Kodiak model. I don't know what it was. Yeah. That, I just I was like on the ground laughing. It wouldn't it. have been as funny if they had switched the roles. Like you think, oh, it's two bears. What's the difference? But no, I think you have. To, I, th- I think you're right. John Favreau having that. He's a little kind of more intense. Yeah, intense and flustered, and he's screaming it all the time. Yes. Um, But another very realistic, like, friendship. A a relationship, absolutely, (laughs) between the two of them. They feel like real people. None of the the human characters feel real. (laughs) All the animals have, like, emotionally complex relationships. It's actually, like, they they could have made the whole movie that. Just, like, what happens at the zoo at night? And forget Kevin James. I would have watched that. And I do not blame you in the least for giving it to Bernie the Gorilla because I I thought it was a runaway. I, 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 I look, I, I, there was just something about John Favreau that really um, sat well with me. Sure, don't blame you in the least though. From TGI Fridays, I honestly think now that we've kind of talked it out loud, that him and Kevin James just honestly going around and being the party animals around Boston for an hour and thirty minute movie would have been a fantastic movie. And to take the literal definition of this Wrecking Crew award, it's the it's the character who created the most damage, or you know, it's an award for explosions. But in this case, there's no explosions. But that taxi cab will never be the same. Oh, the taxi cab, and he also crashed that van into that parked car. <laughs> That's right. His brief uh, right. sojourn driving the van. You know what? You've done the you've done it before. I'm going to do it here. <laughs> yeah. You've convinced me. It should be burning the grill. Victory. Absolutely. Right. It should be 2-0. Two, two, and oh. two, I, two votes for Bernie. Credit, I mean, and, and considering the, the amount of people who deserve credit, the, the writers, I think, deserve credit for making that a really funny character. The director did a good job. The people controlling the animatronics and the people in the suit physically controlling it all deserve credit. And Nick Nolte destroys it. In a million years, I never would have guessed Nick Nolte would have been a convincing... For a voice actor? Yeah. For a gorilla. But... All, all it, that character is functioning on all levels, and it's you know the 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 amount the, the number of things that could have gone wrong uh, that you know, didn't is amazing. They could have not had the suit working right, or it could have just been a silly trading places suit. Wouldn't have worked if they hadn't gotten the gorilla suit right. You're right. You know, and that's the one animal that's not played by a real animal because they couldn't obviously have a gorilla going to TGI Fridays like that. They had to make an animatronic. Well, there's and, that, and there's also the ostrich. Not that the ostrich is in it for much. I think that's a CGI ostrich. He because I saw on the on the behind the scenes how they did it. It was a guy in like a blue thing. Yeah, that's what I thought it was motion. Well, I guess not motion capture. I mean, it, it, they just erased the the blue screen gotcha. man and put an ostrich in there. Oh, okay. So it's it's a CGI ostrich. I think okay. That, well, well, I think okay. I guess you're right. There's there's three different types of animals in this movie. There's totally CGI animals, which the ostrich is one. There's real animals that they just did like a CGI lips yeah. or mouth or whatever. And then there's the gorilla, which is entirely animatronic. 
And the fact that they all, it's not really that like jarring. No, it's, it's like, oh, this one it's animal. It's seamless to steal from the Simpsons. I mean, it but truly it, is. It, I think pretty, it, is. it pretty much is. I mean, the, the fact that the gorilla is animatronic and all the other animals are real animals or CGI animals, you'd think it would be jarring when the gorilla is on screen. Like, oh, this is a totally different thing. But no, no, it blends it, in well. It fits. Yeah. So credit to everybody involved. Who knew that we would be praising Zookeeper? Uh, very but, strange indeed. But you, you've also convinced me. Burning the gorilla. Two all right. votes. It's unanimous. So we're on to the rate. The, the, it's, rate it. <laughs> let's rate this thing. Hey, hey, what the hell are you doing? You're punching car accident victims. No, 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 you don't understand. He was bad mouthing my film. So this is the segment where we rate the movie based on Rocky opponents, uh, with the spectrum being all the way from Spider Rico up to Apollo Creed. Yeah, and I'm going to give this rating a different rating than what I wrote down based Uh-oh. on our conversation. All right, fire away. I wrote down that I was going to give this movie a Tommy gun. Wow. But after talking through the movie and kind of... I'm surprised by that. That it was low? Yeah. I I almost thought about changing what I had written down, but it was going to be up a different level. Oh, okay. Well, I'm, I'm giving it a Mason Dixon. I mean... In, We're going to be unanimous. Mine is a Mason Dixon. I'm right. going to stick with it. All right. I almost, from our conversation, it's funny, I was thinking about moving it up to a clubber lane. <laughs> wow. As crazy as that, that sounds. Been, I mean, I, I also wouldn't have minded that. Because, you know, the, here's why I gave it a, a Tommy gun is because... In my mind, when I when I took the notes, I went like, you know what? This movie is kind of only one scene. That one scene is amazing. The rest of the movie is kind of lousy. But you know what? It's not. I wasn't giving the movie enough credit. The movie is not lousy on the whole. It has lousy moments and it has yeah. It's it's you know the the story is sometimes undermined by itself. Yeah, and look, and it's not a very creative story. It's you know been done a hundred times. They just decided to do it with animals that could talk in this one. Well, I think literally Doctor Doolittle is this exact same movie. Yeah. I never saw it, but I mean, my my sense is the Eddie Murphy Doctor Doolittle, which came out like seven, six or seven years before this, not long. Oh no, Doctor Doolittle was much older than that. It was like late nineties. Oh, I thought it was like early two thousand. No, it's like okay, yeah, but not not that not much that long. long ago. So for me. I think it's because there were other scenes in this. In particular, I said how even though it get, gets ruined by a joke of the bride getting tripped and ice sculpture getting destroyed, but there were enough of those scenes that uh, with Rosario Dawson and Kevin James that felt like real kind of sweet and, uh, I don't know, yeah, good I, scenes that to me this was like a straight down the fairway Mason Dixon. It's not a great movie. It's not a one that I watch a bunch, but it has one amazing sequence and a, a few other things that were at least redeeming or made me laugh. I mean, Jerome the Bear, I, I was trying to give the you know the Wrecking Crew award because Jerome the Bear really made me laugh. Yeah, and I think uh, Rosario Dawson deserves a lot of credit for making those kind of the love story work. Yeah. She is she's she's carrying likable as always. She's always great. I've never seen her give a bad performance. I mean, she she is. I don't want to say one note because that's a little diminishing, but I mean, she she generally plays like these kind of bubbly likable characters like it is kind of preposterous that hollywood is casting her as the girl next door or she's like the, one of the most gorgeous women in the world like, oh kevin james didn't notice her it's like what are you talking about it's rosario dawson that's a little absurd and but, not every one of her roles because in 25th hour she doesn't necessarily play that i forgot she was in that she's oh, yeah. she's philip Seymour hoffman's student right is that what, no, no 25th uh, hour oh with, that's uh, 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 uh uh, yeah, Ed, Ed Norton. Norton. No, sorry, that was uh, who played that. There was another actress. 
I'm, uh, that's somebody else. Yeah, but either way, I mean, for the most part, you're right. She but said like Norton's the, girlfriend. In yeah, she Natural Rivera. It's been a long time since I watched. Really? That. Oh yeah. No, so I I can I'll always remember her name because the guy who played the and I should know the actor's name who plays Clay Davis on The Wire. Oh sure. I I will never forget him because yeah, Natural Rivera. She. Yeah. Of course, it's Clay. Yeah, I hadn't seen Clay Davis yet. I saw 25th Hour before I saw The Wire. Yeah, I went almost crazy. When I, went, oh, I know that guy. Yeah, well, I know this him couch because is kind of lumpy. He he works that into every movie, regardless of what. I mean, he shoehorns it in. He could be in a G-rated movie. He'll still work in that shield. <laughs> I mean, honestly, every role he does that in class, Clay Davis, doesn't he? Oh, it's absolutely yeah. he does it as Clay yeah. Davis. That, that's that actor's thing. He always works it in. He's the Arnold Schwarzenegger of, of <laughs> like character actors. Where he's got to sneak he's in. He's got to find a way to get his phrase. Yeah, his zinger in. You wouldn't expect me to say that, will you? <laughs> you always say that. It's like your calling card. Uh, so I, o- overall, I was, as I said, pleasantly surprised. To me, this was a solid Mason Dixon. There's enough. Yeah. Adequate to good stuff and one amazing sequence. That's hopefully it is up on YouTube so that the listeners that don't want to watch the zookeeper, not the zookeeper, can see this Friday sequence we talked about. Yeah, it's gotta be right. I mean, it must be. If it can't be the only one, Dunkachino is up there. I, for the love of God, I hope that that Friday sequence is on the internet. Yeah, that's a good point. But I think there's more. That's more like people want to see that clip as like a car wreck. Like, they want to see Pacino destroying his career, where it's like a gorilla. There's not as much attention. Like, a gorilla can be a TGI Friday shill. What do they care? <laughs> you know, and Kevin and Izod shill. <laughs> Kevin James and animatronic gorilla have no artistic integrity to betray, so <laughs> maybe it's not on YouTube. We'll see. All right. Well, I, I am very, I'm really glad, A, that we didn't hate this movie, and B, this episode be, ended up being a lot of fun. Yeah, we've been apologizing a lot for the. I'm not episode. apologizing for no, this one. This was a fun episode, and I think it ended up be, being a pretty good episode. I was worried that speaking of uh, you know people rubbernecking at Al Pacino's career, there's part of me thinking like, how many people listening to our podcast are just listening out of like morbid curiosity to witness like the slow heat death of a podcast? <laughs> but no, I'm revitalized. This movie, of all things, Zookeeper revitalized this podcast, and we're heading right into Rambo two. It's great. That's right. So as I, I was going to say, it is your pick, but. It really isn't your yeah, pick. Yeah, technically it's my pick, but I, I, I deliberately held off saving, uh, picking Rambo 2. So it's appropriate. Yeah, so it should be my pick, because I was the one, I'm the reason why you're all waiting so long to hear our Rambo 2 episode, because <laughs> I wanted Rambo 2 and Rocky 4 to be back-to-back. I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Cold War-era movies, they're both, they're, they're similar in terms of like the zeitgeist of what was going on in the mid-80s and Stallone's role in it. So, I mean, I think, I think having those two back-to-back will be interesting and, and will be fun. And for me, I think probably the movie, other than Demolition Man, that I wanted to do the most in doing Sylvester Stallone comes right after Rocky IV. Mm-hmm. I mean, I honestly have been <laughs> waiting since episode one of sure. Demolition Man to talk about Rocky IV. Yeah, we had to do the first three Rockies first. You can't just jump to Rocky IV. No, you can't. I think we did briefly discuss that. I, we should lead off with Rocky IV. It's like, no, we can't do that. I... I <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I I'm pretty sure con- we. I'm, I'm pretty been, sure we had that discussion. Yeah, and I could have been convinced. So <laughs> I am looking forward. I don't know the Rambo movies. I'm glad that we're going to move forward the body count because it's <laughs> it's been a pretty dry spell yeah. for a podcast with the theme that we have. And then Rocky Ford's like what the, the Zookeeper being the surprise that it has been. I do feel like this is this is like a B12 shot to George Costanza. Yeah. It's the, it was the perfect timing because, yeah, I want to be energized going into Rambo 2. Um, 
I, I've said before, I've, I've, I like the Rambo movies. I'm not a giant fan of them, but Rambo 2 is my least favorite of the Rambo movies. But uh-huh. I watched it already, since we, obviously we knew what was coming next. I already watched it once. And I think a lot of Rambo 2, and I'm not going to spoil anything, or like I don't want to color your, your take on it, but I think I was able to approach it in a way that made me appreciate it more watching it this time. All right. So I don't I'll know. see if I can figure out what that is. Yeah, I'm not sure. Even, even when, cause A, I don't want to spoil anything, and B, I'm not sure I can even really articulate what I mean. All right. But, well, I don't want to say. I don't want to color right. your, your, no. your take on the movie. But I'm going to go in cold. I'm, exci- I'm more excited to talk about Rambo 2 now, having watched it recently. Than you thought you would have I Yeah, I would have been. All right. So, yeah. I mean, it'll be, it's an action movie. I'm it's, looking forward to an action movie, yeah, too, as well. That's, so. That'll be fun. Hopefully, the listeners are looking forward to our next episode. Uh, and if you enjoy the show, please like us on your podcast app of choice. Maybe write a favorable review. And feel free to tweet at us as well at Arms Race Podcast on Twitter. Yeah. And if you know people who might enjoy the show, now's the time to jump on. Let me tell you. We're <laughs> heading into the prime Stallone territory here. Rambo 2 and Rocky 4 coming up. If so, if there's anybody you think might like this show, tell this us. This is probably the time. Yeah. If these trends continue. Hey. Yeah. I mean, these, these are the episodes I'm sure people want to hear. Yeah. Rambo 2 and Rocky 4. So those will be next, the next two episodes. So yeah. we'll be back with Rambo colon First Blood Part 2. <laughs> I had to stop a second and remember what the actual title was. I like the colon. Thank you. Thank you.